to me, it's not about when society is going to become free. That's not going to happen. It's not going to ha- probably not going to happen in our lifetimes. And really, who cares? Again, if your neighbor wants to remain a slave, let them. But agorism is about freeing you, freeing the individual. And I think that's possible right now. We have all the tools right now to be free. Uh, crypto, 3D printing, uh, growing your own food, homesteads, all sorts of options to uh, to sort of find freedom outside the confines of the state and the political structure. The state in an ideal agorist world um, – the state is gone. It's replaced by voluntary market transactions and all of the politicians are in labor camps. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by Stealth EX, an instant exchange where privacy is the top concern. Go to StealthEx.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making StealthEx a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever. By typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Sal the Agorist, a prominent figure on Twitter advocating for the strategies of agorism and counter-economics. The two discuss how Sal got into agorism after reading the BTC white paper, why the central bank is the enabler for many of the atrocities perpetuated by the U.S. government, why it's only a matter of time before Monero price explodes, if the Fed starts banning crypto, agorism as a mean for instantaneous liberation, voting, CBDCs, and much more. All right. Sal, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, so, yeah, I've seen you. I've seen you around Twitter. Um, you have like a shit ton of followers. I don't know how that happened, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how would you how would you describe yourself? I because I honestly don't know how to uh even intro you. I just know you as this uh, you know, hardcore libertarian. Um how would anarchist, you, anarchist. Anarchist, yeah, you're be you're beyond libertarian. Don't you're, want me with those guys, <laughs> those commies. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you under the branch? We'll get into it. We'll get into how how but how would you personally uh, so I'm I'm like I'm just a, a voluntarist, I'm an agorist. It's um if you want to be real specific about it, it's all the same shit at the end of the day. But I just don't believe in initiating violence on anyone. So I think the way to achieve a free society, the way to get there is through counter economics. So I, once I developed a, a following, I was like, well, I might as well promote the brand of libertarianism to which I subscribe. And that's how I became Salviagorist. Awesome. How did you build the following? Did you build the following because of uh, talking about agorism or? No, no, no. Memes, honestly. I started posting, I just started posting memes, I guess, that I found funny a long time ago. And it just sort of took off and... It's sort of like therapy, you know what I mean? Because there's so much shit going on that you can just talk shit about, like people on the internet. <laughs> it was sort of therapeutic, but then it just sort of, you know, 
blossomed. And usually I always add, you know, the opening question is what was your, your, you know, your path to Monero, but what was your path to agorism? Um, pro- I would, if I had to pinpoint it, probably Bitcoin, probably the white paper. Okay. That was really what, what sort of, I was always like the libertarian, but I was in like the LP and we were like knocking on doors and just wasting time. And, uh, one of the, like the biggest issues to me was always like the federal reserve and central banking. And I, we were just making no, we were just making no progress. Still, there's no progress being made towards ending the fed or even they can't even get an audit of the fed passed, let alone end it. So once uh, there was like an alternative and I was like, Oh my God, I can live without the federal reserve. I don't, I can just, I don't have to wait to pass legislation. I can just do this now. And that was the end of it. And then that exploded and sort of, turned my life in a different direction. But uh, yeah, and then one thing led to another and I got into 3D printing and all sorts of other agorist activities. And yeah, here we are. Now, were you already, before you discovered Bitcoin, you were already kind of, you know, in the libertarian movement, right? Oh yeah, I was like a, I was like a gold and silver bug before Bitcoin. I don't know if it was like 2008, the Ron Paul debates really sort of fucked me up. I don't know if I can curse on here, but like, yeah, I was this, well, yeah, do whatever you, whatever. I was like a, a, a warmongering okay. neoconservative. And, uh, oh. I remember watching the, um, debates and I remember thinking like the only guy who makes any sense on that stage is the person who I'm supposed to think is crazy. Let me look more into him. And that's when I found like, well, his economic advisors are like two guys named Walter Block and Peter Schiff. And they were just describing the whole collapse of the system exactly as I saw it. And I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. So when when Bitcoin came around, I was really sort of primed up for it. I was like, I was ready. And I had friends who were using it for nefarious purposes. And they sort of helped push me in a, in a, towards like getting involved. When, and that sort of helped. But yeah. Did you get it, like understand it right out of the box? Like was it like oh, yeah, oh, from day one? Really? Okay. One. Yeah. No, because it was something you were kind of waiting for, right? You were you already, you know, hoping for the advent of digital cash? Was is it was like so badly, so okay. badly? Like the problem with gold and silver was always, you know, it can't be inflated, so that's why we were always like collecting it and using it. Like we would go to up to New Hampshire and Pork Fest, and we would be trading like silver coins for shit and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's it. It lacks what Carl Menger called temporal saleability because it's easily confiscable. We know this because it's happened, right? Mm-hmm. FDR made it illegal by executive order, by fiat, and just confiscated everyone's gold. So we know that that can happen. And uh, when, like, the idea of like you controlling it and you being your own bank is what really sort of appealed to me. Do you mind if I ask when you first kind of really got into it, or uh, you know, you don't have to give exact exact times? But uh... I don't, honestly, uh, probably probably 2012, 2013. Awesome. I know by 2013 I was in it. In it, like I go back, I look at my like wallet transactions. I want to like shoot myself in the face. <laughs> but yeah, I was in it at that point. And then so. When was your kind of moment of, wait a minute, this is awesome. It's digital. It's, uh, you know, trying to be digital cash, but it's, it's lacking, it's lacking one thing, privacy. Was there, was there an aha moment for that? No, no. Um, no, there wasn't. I, I'm a, 
huge privacy advocate, but I, I do think that there's drawbacks to having um, base layer privacy. But um, okay, this is this is going to be conversation is going to be better than I thought. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, no, there was I never really had that moment. I I agree with the Monero heads and everything they say about fungibility and stuff like that. But my enemy is the Fed. Right. When I look back, my enemy is the, is the government, the federal government. And I step back and I look at the, my enemy and I examine them, I analyze them. The beating heart of that beast is the central bank. It's the Federal Reserve. Without the ability to print money, they would never be able to afford to murder children in Yemen or to enslave people with welfare programs or anything like that. So that's sort of the beating heart of it. So we have to ask, how do we defeat the Federal Reserve? And to me, we like I said before, we can't we're not going to out legislate it. Right. We're not going to run in there with guns and stop them. We have to make them obsolete the same way that, you know, uh, Netflix made Blockbuster obsolete or something like that. We have to outcompete them and they only have one product exchange media. So we have to offer a more efficient medium of exchange uh, than they can. And that's where sort of crypto came into it for me. And that's where I got into Bitcoin. But eventually it just didn't work anymore. The blocks became, uh, everything became, the transactions were too slow and too expensive. And that's when Bitcoin split and I got into, involved with Bitcoin Cash. I've been using it ever since. It's worked. Um, and it's basically accepted everywhere. So ever since then, I've been sort of proselytizing the good word of, of Bitcoin Cash. And I've taken on the stain of being a, a big blocker. Anybody that's um, listening live in spaces, just go ahead and you know retweet it. Help get the word out. Let's get a bunch of people in here. After we finish the interview, we'll move over to Spaces and we can have a little Q and A over there with Sal. Um, there's there's a lot of overlap with I feel like uh, B cashers and Monero folk, right? I feel like there's so much the community. So much. The communities get along very well compared to say Monero and maybe like the BTC Maxi crowd. Yes, but you know that's ironic because I I feel like last year there was like an attempt by the Monero community to try to like huddle up next to the Maxis and you just can't do that. They're not yeah. they're, they're just not they they smell like shit. You can't get next to them. They're just, I was trying to do that. Was I trying to do that? No, I pissed off all the Maxis. Oh my oh, okay. god. Okay. That... Any of my shows. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't well, I wasn't it like um wasn't Monerotopia right around the like the big maxi? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then down the block. Yeah, that wasn't a that wasn't a cozy up. That was uh, you know. I figured they were like sort of like migrating in there talking shit. I was like, oh, I can only imagine what that's going to be. <laughs> Actually, Raphael Laverde was like, oh, you should come, and I was like, dude, I'm not going to be welcome there. <laughs> They're not going to like me. They're not going to want me there. At Monerotopia? Oh shit, we would have loved you there, man. Oh, because I figured there was going to be so many maximalists there. Oh, no, no. There was no BTC maxis. Um, no shit. Okay. It was really all Monero. Like my, whole, my reason for doing it there was because I wanted to grab uh, guests. You know, Monero curated right. people that would be going to the Bitcoin conference. So not everybody's a BTC maxi that goes Smart there. move. Um, and then also like the uh, speakers, right? So there's a lot of like big speakers that are already going into Miami. I was like, oh, maybe I could get them, you know, walk down the block and come to our conference but yeah this year we threw the whole thing out the window now we're doing it in mexico city so like we've we kind of got tired of the the btc maxi scene right that right. just gets overrun with the maxis so now we've uh we ran for the south um but 
Yeah, where was I going with this? Yeah, there is there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, in terms of cozying up, uh, I, I've done the. I'm guilty of doing the opposite. Like I had Peter McCormick on the show, and I gave him. I didn't even mean to, but it ended up giving him a very hard time, and he's since like hated me and attacked me and tried to kill me off. I've been blocked by him for years. So. And all I did was bring him on a show called Monero Talk, and he was. He was so pissed off that I brought up the topic of Monero. On, on a, I was like, bro, it's literally the name of the show. Yeah, the, like, they're, not, they're not normal people. Gonna, uh, interview me about my past. And like, I'm like, no, I'm like, I mean, you're, not, you're not that interesting, man. You're, you're just... Yeah, you're, yeah. I, I, dude, I've been blocked by all those guys for years now. So you're preaching to the choir. You're in, you're, okay. you're in friendly company. Good, good. So wait, but you made a comment that, and I don't think you explained it. So you said you you think basically the base layer should be transparent. So what is what's your reason? No, no, I don't. I okay. Well, let me let me explain myself a little bit more clearly. I'm an evangelist of Monero. I I think it's a wonderful tool for counter economists. It's the only privacy coin that I recommend to people. I think most of the other ones are bullshit or are honey honey pots. To be honest with you, um. Monero is the only one that I still am confident in. But um, at the end of the day, again, our our enemy is the Fed and their one product is exchange media. So we have to have a more efficient medium of exchange. And I think that it's sort of an undeniable fact that base layer privacy, for better or worse, for worse, I think in this case, has been an obstacle to retail adoption or to mass adoption. Like there are None of the major exchanges will accept it, and very few retailers, none of those little crypto cards, the BitPay or Crypto.com cards will accept it because the government has sort of sanctioned it. And I, I do think there's an argument to be made that at the, in the end, that will, those features will win out. Um, I, I do think that, that there's a good argument to be made for that. But in the, in the immediate term, I think that if we're going to tell people to be your own bank, and to stop using Federal Reserve notes, which is what agorism is, mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult for them to live every day on all of their transactions using Monero. Whereas with something like Bitcoin Cash, it's a little bit easier. So what, what I say is... The, because user, I just want to understand, just because of the network effect, the liquidity of Bitcoin Cash, or literally because of its, its transparency, traceability, it, it makes it more usable? No, what I'm saying is that merchants and and entrepreneurs and businessmen aren't accepting Monero as often as Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin or some of the other whatever coin. I don't know. And I think the reason why is because base layer privacy is sort of like a, a red flag. And it's sort Happy. of like, yeah. And the government is like, don't don't fuck with those guys. Like, you know, because I mean, what the IRS has like a a. a a, like a reward for anybody who can crack Monero. Right, so, right. I mean, they, they've got their eyes on it. So I think it's it's absolutely, it's the best coin, the only coin to use for counter-economic purposes. But if we're, like, again, if we're going to tell people, stop using Federal Reserve notes today, like throw your dollars out the window, like, and, and only, you know, use an alternative sound form of money, it would be very difficult for them to use Monero for every transaction. Like, it'd be very difficult to do that at, at Starbucks. There's probably a way to do it, I'm sure. Um, yeah. You probably know more about it than I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would imagine it's not as easy of a process as, you know, using, like, loading up a, a crypto.com card or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, not as easy only because all tech isn't built out. But fundamentally, it's it's just as easy. And currently, we're 
we're you know, we're pretty much there. I don't know if you use like Cake Wallet or anything like that. I mean, you know, it's just as seamless as any Bitcoin wallet. Um, I get what you're saying. Like it, maybe maybe taboo. Like where people are like I don't want to mess with that. Like even though it's not illegal. Like like people just be like I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be. You know, it's not even that. It's like. Um... It's more like the Winklevoss twins thinking to themselves, well, hey, if we start to let people buy Monero, the SEC is going to come crashing down on our heads and destroy our business. So we better stay the fuck away from Monero. And I think that's happening a lot with a lot of major institutions. Not that I I don't give a fuck about institutional adoption. I think it's been a sort of uh, uh, a bad thing for the movement. But I think that it's it's definitely has has precluded some people, some businesses from from adopting it. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, you know, there's arguments to be made as to why that's, you know, a, uh, a feature, not a bug, right? So, like, because Agreed. of that, yeah, it be the initial on-ramps were more difficult, but now it's forced Monero to build the ecosystem outside of the fiat system more in a more organic way than Bitcoin, right? Because it's really even less, it's less tethered than Bitcoin is to the fiat world. Um, and so it's building out, out the infrastructure for that. And uh, it's creating an environment where people are, are getting used to using it without these centralized exchanges, which is the ideal way to do it. And people are acquiring it, you know, in, in more, uh, you know, obfuscated ways, right? Because they're not going through these KYC AML exchanges. So I hear you like initially it's a problem because how do people get in? But I think there's arguments made why that might help it, right? I, I agree with you 1000%. You're 100% right. Um, and I would, I would even think it's, it's sort of even more than more so than that to go even beyond your point, mm-hmm. the fungibility of it. There's no, there's no denying that Monero is a more fungible currency they're basically any other cryptocurrency out there. And, it, and that means it's a more sound form of right. money. And more um, efficient, right? More efficient for the flow of money. Ultimately, like, I don't think... It's, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just want to get a point. No, no. Um, what you're saying, right? Like, yes, maybe, maybe it's harder to get Monero right now. Uh, but ultimately, once people do have it, it's going to be much more efficient for them to transact with it because you're not going to have this friction that's there, which is the case, the, you know, the, the, the anti money laundering, just, you know, because there's this ability to track and trace Bitcoin, it will be tracked and traced. And that's going to create friction uh, among commerce. Whereas with Monero, you can't do it. And because of that, it will be more frictionless because you won't have this third party leech that's always trying to, you know, suck data off of the of the, the chain and use that in ways to manipulate those that are participating in commerce for it. No doubt about it. And I and I think um as I as as the central banks start to start to uh become increasingly desperate in their war against crypto, in their war against sound money, as they start to lose control of the printing press, so to speak. I think you're. I honestly think you're going to see an exodus from pseudonymous chains like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash to more anonymous chains, because I think eventually they're going to just outright start banning crypto. Eventually, their hand will be forced, and they're going to have no other choice but to ban crypto. When that happens, the people who are holding Monero and other privacy coins, even coins that sort of pass themselves off as privacy coins, but maybe really aren't, hint, hint, dash, those people I think are going to make out pretty well. I think that those coins are going to sort of explode. 
we already see India, China flirting with it. Golly knows what the U.S. central bankers are going to do. It's, it's, it's a matter of time until they, they pull that, that tool out of their pocket. I was listening to you talking to uh, what's what's the guy's name? David Dave Smith. The, yes. Uh, man. Yeah, awesome dude. I, I would love to hear him talk about Monero, especially if he's going to be run for president. We need him out there. That's my problem with Dave is that he's <laughs> running for president and not talking about crypto, and that's what I, that's the point I tried to make to him. Well, yeah, that's what I. So that's interesting because I f- kind of feel like you're. Um, um, you're being slightly hypocritical in how you perceive uh, your your take on crypto, right? So you're you're willing to make a sacrifice here for crypto. You're saying like, I'm not going to be the idealist I normally am. I'm going to say, for practicality reasons, something like a Bcash, because you know it's it's easier for society to adopt at this point, and thus we'll get. You know that's important too, but then when in conversations with Dave and whether or not it's productive to be in politics, you kind of take the more idealistic route and say, "No." Mm. See, right? I I'm, I'm always searching for the hypocrisy among people myself see, I, as well. I like that. I like that, but I disagree because my advocacy of Bitcoin Cash is entirely rooted in counter economics. Okay. Again, the only way to stop the Federal Reserve is to outcompete them. And the most beneficial aspect of agorism, in my opinion, is that it offers instantaneous liberation. Boom. As soon as you understand agorism, as soon as you understand that you are free, like Etienne Boulotti tried to tell people, as soon as you understand that, then you are free. That's the key. Once you realize that these people, their rule over you is illegitimate, then you realize that you actually are free. So how do you live free, right? How do you, how do you, live, how do you live that lifestyle? And again, I think it'd be, it would be very difficult to um, ask people to conduct every transaction in the course of their day with Monero. It's a lot easier with Bitcoin Cash. So I think, again, I think, yes, I think it's, it's certainly possible that at the end of the day, in the long run, the long picture, some privacy coin like Monero wins the day. It, I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. In fact, I would be surprised if it doesn't uh, have some aspect of fungibility, the winning commodity in this sort of currency competition. But right now, the most competitive alternative that we have is Bitcoin Cash because it's it's accepted everywhere. It, it's instantaneous. When you say accepted everywhere, what are you, what are you referring to? Well, I, I shouldn't. Obviously, it's not accepted everywhere. You don't. There's not a, like a Bitcoin Cash sign, you know, yeah. accepted here in every window. But it's, a, it's very accepted everywhere. Pork right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but like um, it's very simple to get like a BitPay card and like right. uh, or, or um, like a crypto.com card or like, there's a million ways you can spend it. Again, I'm sure there are ways to do that with Monero, but there's uh, yeah, there's there's cake pay. I don't know. Yeah, cake pay. I mean, has really I, gotten us pretty much right there, right? Because now that's integrated into cake. You could anonymously buy a gift card in the moment at your time of purchase. So you go to Stone Cold or whatever ice cream shop, and you know your bill is fourteen dollars and fifty nine cents. You could buy anonymously purchase a credit card, uh, gift card on spot for that purchase and check out. That's See, so that's, that's where we were in Monero. 
that's yeah. where we were in Bitcoin though in like 2014. We no, were, I know, I know. You remember like gift, like gyft.com? Yeah. That was like the old, that was like the original yeah. version of the gift card. Yes. Thing. And I look, I'm all, I'm all about it. I think that that's a better way to live your life than to fund the murder of children you never heard of before in Yemen. I would absolutely prefer that. And I, again, I think that's preferable. Mm-hmm. But I think, if again, if we're going to try to sort of decrease demand for the dollar, I think it's a much more it's a much easier sell to people um, to use Bitcoin cash than it is to say, all right, well, you know, here's this, you, you know, you get Monero, but you have to go through this peer to peer exchange. And, you know, there's this, you know, you got to make the purchase and you get the gift, gift card money. And you got to move it to your app and blah, 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 blah. It's like it's it's just it's a little bit more liquid of a currency, I guess. Yeah, well, no, I mean, once you have it on your person, on your cake wallet, it's just as seamless as, you know, any other. Curve. But I get I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, like once there's a so if there was a Monero credit card, right, then you're saying you're kind of you're kind of closer. Right. But the, the real ideal is where where the where people are accepting pure Monero, right? You're not buying a gift yes. card. You're not yes. going through a credit card company. That's uh, the goal and, of any crypto. But I think that's where Monero is making more headway than anybody else, right? Because literally, where is crypto used more than anywhere else? On the dark market, right? Like where it's actually used for a purpose, right? Like, yeah, I could go to Cold Stone Ice Cream and I could effectively buy it with Monero, but there's really no reason for me to do that, right? I mean... There is, you know, I get whatever a certain percentage back, right? It's cheaper. And, you know, the government can't peer into my transaction. I think and you're not funding the murder of children. That's the big one. See, <laughs> right. as, as an agorist, that's the big one. Well, I mean, that's, you, that's the key. I don't want to use dollars because I don't want to pay to murder some little girl who's like five years old that I've never heard of before. That's what it's a moral thing. Not using dollars is a moral thing for me. So, yeah. like, and look, by the way, if you can, if you use Monero every day, if you can do that and you know how to do that, more power to you. Fucking run with it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Go with it. And I think, like I said earlier, I think I would not be surprised one one bit if at the end of the day, in the long term picture, some sort of privacy coin that looks a lot like Monero does win the day. Again, I would be surprised if that's not the case because Mises tells us that that the sound money, which will eventually, he says that the market will narrow itself down to the most saleable commodity and, and fungibility is one aspect of that. So I, again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think in the immediate term, it's easier for people to be their own bank without having to bear the burden of that base layer privacy. Again, it's a wonderful thing. There's a time to use it. I, just, I, I get that you got to start using Monero more. You realize it's it's not a different. It's not. You're probably right. To be honest with you, if I you use it we're there. Often, it's there, man. It's there. And like we got people like like I sell coffee for Monero, and now I'm adding. I'm working with the guy in the Monero community. Is going to be at, he's building an egg uh, subscription business, so you'll be able to buy your eggs with Monero, and you know not not gift cards. Like you're paying That's paying some dude with Monero, and he's sending you eggs in the in the mail right like it's 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 getting close it's getting close that's the way that's the way we win oh that's the way we win is when people when merchants start accepting it directly and eventually they will have no reason to why would you accept a a commodity like the u.s dollar that's losing value when you can accept something that's gaining value that you know can't be confiscated so i think it's an inevitability now you your your underlying point is Bcash or whatever it is, the easiest crypto to use because 
at least I'm not using fiat. And I totally agree with that. And that like that's like how you can make the biggest impact, right? By not participating in fiat, right? And propelling. It's, so basically it's don't participate in fiat. This is the most efficient medium of exchange we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is this is what you should use. But if you can use something else, look, if you're more comfortable using Dogecoin or Ron Paul coin or Peer coin or something, use that. I don't think Peer coin's around anymore, but well, you, you get my point. The other, the, just the other point I want to make. So like privacy isn't just great because of the fungibility, right? And that obviously I think that is the most important reason, but it's also security and not being able to have your transactions surveilled by governments and ultimately for the security, not just of yourself, right? Like you said, uh, the unconfiscatability of Bitcoin is what's, you know, one of the most important things about it. People not knowing you have Monero or can't see you when you're using it, that adds to security. And also just the security against uh, attack from governments through the form of, let's say, unrealized capital gains tax, right? Like, or other things they might try to do to co-opt the network. So how does that... Is that that factoring into your decision-making when you're saying using the most, you know, vile coin in terms of, uh, you know, taking power away from the state um you you know it john mcafee used to say that he used to think that privacy coins combined with decentralized exchanges are going to be how he got out of this mess yeah and i remember when he said that i was like damn that makes a lot of fucking sense that actually makes a lot of sense and um i can't say that he's wrong i really can't i i again i don't know how it's going to play out i would not be surprised if that is how it plays out but I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with the Monero people when they when they stress fungibility and the importance of it. I think you're all one thousand percent right. Um, again, though, I, I, the only valid critique I have, I, I have is that um, you know, again, base layer privacy has sort of been like a red flag for the regulators to sort of just come running along. And whenever they see a, a coin that they can't tax, it's like a big red flag to them. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like with these pseudonymous chains, like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we're, we're, we're moving under the radar. So it's like, it, it takes so much effort for them to track down your, your Bitcoin transaction, unless you're really doing something really fucked up, unless you committed a murder or it's a lot of money that they can go after. They're probably not going to bother you. They're not going to go through the effort of that. Whereas if all they have to do is just send an email to some guy at PayPal, They'll, you know, they'll rat you out in a second. So I don't think pseudonymous chains are completely useless for counter-economic purposes, but I do think that privacy is the way to go. Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans and if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. And, and a lot of these second layer solutions that you see are, are bullshit. I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. It's better than nothing. Like the coin mixers and stuff like that. But it is preferable for counter-economic purposes to have it on the base layer. 100%. It's more unstoppable, right? I mean, the way I look at it is we we need the most 
robust, unstoppable version of this tech for it to succeed because it's just, it's just the nature, right? It's, uh, you know, the governments are going to try to either completely eliminate it, which is not possible, or more likely co-opt it, right? And just kind of defang it, right? So it's, it's like, in theory, could be this thing that's purely decentralized and has and removed power away from the government. But if they get their fangs in it, they could allow it to exist alongside themselves without it destroying themselves. Right. Maybe it even somehow further empowers them. Right. Like like we're saying, like the surveillance nature of Bitcoin, for example, that feels like you know, a step in the possibly the wrong direction. Like if we moved over to a completely Bitcoin world, it could lead to, uh, you know, more ultimately more perfect surveillance of of society. I mean, they're already surveilling your your debit cards and your credit cards. Like they you, they, they can't get a better. Tool yeah, but we're, we're not we're not cash. literally at the point where we're saying. All right, entire world, let's all use one ledger and put all our transactions there and we could all look at it. Like, I mean, aren't we? We're all using we're all using USD, aren't we? I mean Well, yeah, we're on like the Visa network, but there's still right. cash, right? There's a lot of cash that gets that gets passed around and you know, that's off that's not the tech. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so the you know, the the wet dream is eliminate cash. We go all digital, right? Governments are loving this, right? Oh, and we'll get them on CBDCs or or we'll get them all on surveillance coin, you know? Well, that's I think that's the end game is that they they want the CBDCs are really sort of designed to sort of target the inflationary stimulus. So like you'll get like a little notification on your phone. Ding, ding. You've received two thousand dollars from Joe Biden. And it's going to say, but you can, you can't spend it at Coinbase. You can't spend it at the gun store. You can't buy gold and silver with it. You have to go to Target. You have to go to the movies. You have to go out to the restaurant. You have to consume, consume, consume. You have to sort of keep that service sector economy going. That's what the CBDCs are all about. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm very confident that uh, no product that they, that they can create can compete with cryptocurrency. So I think it's a losing game. It's an inevitability, again, that they lose. They know it. Everybody paying attention. Everybody with the, everyone who's not an economic illiterate knows that it's inevitability, and uh, everyone should be planning accordingly. I've been telling everybody for ten years now, almost. You know. Yeah, I don't know, man. But we just we just came out. Of, well, we didn't. We COVID's not even over, right? It's still going on, and I mean, we saw how what ninety eight percent of the society did. They just went along with it, right? So that that's what scares me about CBDCs. Is yes, it's so obvious that, but that's the better, that's the beauty. Better, but people, yeah, but you know what though? That's the beauty of agorism because it's like you can't free everyone, but why should you? Like, who cares if your neighbor wants to uh, get vaccinated and and wear a mask twenty four seven for the rest of his life? Um, have at it. You know what I mean? And with, and with agorism, it's all about like. What is the definition? What is the definition of it? Um, my definition, the one that I use, is I just tell people it's a unique form of entrepreneurship in which uh, we seek not only profits but also disruption, state disruption. So that's the easiest sort of definition that I can think of. And how does it differ from anarchism or narco-capitalism? It's just it's a strategy. So, like, whereas the anarcho-capitalists, 
you'll you'll see them doing shit like you know engaging the free state project or the lp or something like that or they might even join the republican party sometimes i mean it's it's a the end caps are something i, I ran for, for, for u.s congress as a republican by the way in 2020 <laughs> no shit yeah, I actually, ran. And actually almost won man u.s in uh no shit yeah what if, district if i ran if i would have ran again i would have won the guy it was a it was a district that's been historically de- democratic for like the last i don't know 40 years like forever and, no shit. Uh, yeah, now a, a Republican just won this year in the same in the same uh yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm glad that you didn't win because you're more effective for the cause of liberty. Yeah, I don't what know what you're doing. Man. Imagine dude, I can look how many Twitter subscribers. I've been talking on here talking about Monero for since 2017, okay? I have How many people have listened Twitter to your subscribers than like Joe Schmo Crypto who started an account like in 2020 and just started talking about BTC maximalism and like That's okay you know, though. That's all right though, man. It's not No, but my no. point is like imagine how effective I'd be if I was elected to Congress, right? I mean, you have a huge platform, you know? Yeah, of lobbyists of you have a, a huge no, platform. You, you have the media, French interests. You have the media, you have, you know, hundreds. they're not going to Do you think that do you think that CNN is going to give Monero time on air? Hell no. They would never, not in a million years. We you're out there on the floor of Congress, man. You're saying, you know, like it's Dude, you would be censored. You would be censored so quick. They would have you. They would have you sit. They would. You would be kicked off of every committee. They wouldn't. You no, would be nowhere no. near the financial services committee. I, you would. They would. They would. They would put you on like the like the committee for fish and wildlife or something <laughs> like that, and resign you to obscurity or something like that. And if you really became a problem, they would make you the ambassador to like Papua New Guinea or something. You know, That's it's, it's the That's system is rigged against us and there's no way that we can defeat it from the inside. This is the only way through counter economics. Yeah, man, you're, you're talking to somebody who walked the walk and I tried and I disagree. I I'm too early. I, I think th- Monero is I'm out here like a maniac for Monero because I've like literally boiled it down to what is the most impactful thing I could do to try to increase the Liberty Index in the world. Like that's that's my mission, right? I think by spreading Monero that like there's nothing that can do it better than that. Um, But things like running for high office... I think I don't know. I just I think it it helps. It helps. It's like you had the opposite thought. It was like it was like what can I do to further the cause of liberty? Like I'll 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 advocate Monero. It's like well, what can I do to like undo that work? Let me run for Congress. (laughs) Like it's sort of like you know that reminds me. It's like basically the debate you have with with, uh, Dave Smith, right? It's basically what you guys are debating. Uh, Right. True. I mean, I think I think he's he's got a really good point. It's I see it as tunneling from both ends, right? So like the the Monero is this inevitable tech, um, and eventually, you know, the cream will rise to the top, and it's going to game theory. It's going to work out. But if you want to get there faster, we start tunneling from the other end and try to create, you know, a soft landing, so to speak, for for Monero when it when it arrives. Right, right. I see. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I, you have more faith in the political system than I do. I, I no, I have I no faith, man. Trust me. I've been <laughs> like, I don't, are you involved in politics? Have you ever, other than I, like, I, I was like, I, that's that's the field from which I came. Okay. Um, what was that? Tell us about that. 
I went to school for poli sci and I got a, a, I went to grad school and everything. I got all sorts of degrees and then I read Rothbard and I realized I don't believe in any of it. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I'm yeah, saying, was, you practice, have you dealt with politicians and elected? Yeah, I was like a political consultant. That was my gig. Oh, okay. I was, I was like on track to like get one of those like fancy jobs and everything. And we were working campaigns in the city and I was advising them on like, how to win elections and stuff. And it was the most disgusting. I've, I've shoveled shit when I was like a teenager and like I've worked in politics and shoveling shit was a cleaner job. That's the truth of it because you're at, you're selling your soul in politics. And oh God, um, I, know. I know I, I don't know. I had such a distaste for it. And then I started reading books about entrepreneurship and like e-commerce. And I was like, you know what, there's a, another way that I could, still have a career in politics or anti-politics is what I call it and not live poor, <laughs> you know? So, well, the, the, the local Republican party where I ran, I mean, they, they endorsed me uh, because I, I, I knew them. I had a relationship with them for, for many years and uh, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let Doug Tooman run. They had no idea that I, <laughs> I was, you know, had this whole Monero thing going on and what my actual strategy was. So lo and behold, you know, I did very well, but the party, uh, you know, I have to, I'll have to even watch what I say right now. They, they, they were not happy with, you know, some of the things I did and politically I probably, I got knocked down a, a bunch of notches in the, in, in the, from the, through the eyes of the party. Uh, cause they didn't, they didn't like some of the things I was doing. It's Pop, sort of like, um, you're, you're dealing with, you're dealing with the gang, right? It's, it's basically the mentality in, in politics. You're dealing, you know, with it, it, it's, it reminds me of like, and I, I probably said this to Dave, but like preaching Liberty from a political platform reminds me of like giving a, a talk on cardiac health while you have like a marble hanging out of your mouth. <laughs> It, you know, it's like it's like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but this is a much more natural setting for promoting liberty, right? Like this is an entrepreneurial venture. You're promoting a voluntary thing, whereas like in Congress, in the Senate, in government, it's like you're promoting force and, and coercion. Whereas here, it's the exact opposite. It's almost well, like no, um, yeah, but you you could obviously be advocating, you know, on, in the other direction. What you're saying is impossible. Like they'll just assassinate you. But I, I don't know. I think no, know. I'm. It's not well that too. That 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 absolutely too. But um, I don't even think that that even that much is 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 possible. I don't think it's possible to advocate for liberty from politics. I think it's sort of like again, it would be like imagine if like the Marlboro Man was giving you advice on cardiac health. You wouldn't take it seriously. Why would you listen to a senator talk about liberty? Right? It's the same shit. Right. It's like well, this guy's you... in the business of restricting my liberty. Yeah, but what if all his policies were we got to get rid of this regulation and get rid of that regulation? By force. We're going to you're going to be free by force and if no, anybody disagrees with it, you're 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 reducing regulations. Even even the good politicians have no authority. Right? The opposite of the you're you're low, start lowering the ratchet. Even Mike Lee, like all right, Mike Lee's a decent senator. But let's say um, he's like, you know, I'm. You have the right to uh, own a firearm. I don't give a shit what Mike Lee says. Mike Lee can go to hell for all I care. Um, whether he, you know, what his edict is, what he says or doesn't say, has really has no bearing on us, and it shouldn't really make a difference what these people say. Like, who the hell are they to to 
tell me what my rights are and aren't. I, I disagree that we should even acknowledge their legitimacy. And I think that by acknowledging their legitimacy, we sort of lend a hand to them. We sort of strengthen their hands by saying, all right, well, look, we have to play their game. We have to submit to their rules. There's this political process we're going to play by. No, fuck that. We have a whole different ballgame we're going to play. We're going to put you out of business and we're going to do it with counter economics. And it's it's there's a whole philosophy behind that. But I think that is sort of like, again, I think it's sort of inevitable that they lose this this battle like it's a liberty. How how big do you think uh, the agorism movement can get? Is it like is there is the end goal that you know everybody is is an agorist? Like, can we can we get there as a society? I think everybody is an agorist to a to a certain degree. Um, no one follows all the laws a hundred percent. So I think we all are a little bit to to an agorist to a certain extent. But uh, how agorist society needs to get to be free is a sort of difficult question. Um, there is a turning point where enough people become agorists that the government sort of collapses and concedes. There's a great book called Alongside Night by J. Neil Shulman, where he describes, it's sort of like a sci-fi book where he describes what an agorist revolution might look like. So anybody out there who wants to know more about it, check that out. Also, New Libertarian Manifesto by Sam Konkin, where he describes how that actually plays out and like what that would look like in theory. But um, to me, it's not about when society is going to become free. That's not going to happen. It's not going to ha- probably not going to happen in our lifetimes. And really, who cares? Again, if your neighbor wants to remain a slave, let them. But agorism is about freeing you, freeing the individual. And I think that's possible right now. We have all the tools right now to be free. Uh, crypto, 3D printing, uh growing your own food homesteads all sorts of options to uh to sort of find freedom outside the confines of the state and the political structure are you uh you familiar with freedom cells the freedom cell network yes john bush is a good friend of mine oh awesome yeah he's gonna we're having them down at Minerotopia. he's gonna be one of the speakers oh man john bush is he's the best yeah I think it's so that the guy who started it. It's the yeah, I had him on my show. Yeah, so it's John Bush and Derek Bros. Derek um, Bros. Derek Bros is is gonna be there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Both of them are just top tier agorists. Is solid agorists, as good as it gets. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I had him I interviewed him. He was very very cool guy. Derek, yeah, yeah, he's wonderful. So, are are you p- helping to grow the freedom? You think that's like one of the ways we get there faster? Like you're saying, all the tools are there. What what are what can people do today to start, you know, opting out? My biggest thing is to be your own bank. That's the key. Like, again, the biggest problem we have is the Fed. And the, the biggest way to get free is to be your own bank. If you can do that with Monero, do it. If you can do that with Ron Paul coin or Dogecoin or Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin or Litecoin, who, whatever, do it. Just stop using Federal Reserve notes. Stop funding the murder of children you never heard of. That's sort of the key. I also tell people, get yourself a 3D printer and start growing your own food because uh, I think that those two things will come in handy very soon. And I think we already saw that with COVID. They were sort of, you know, shutting down grocery stores and shit like that. And, uh, you know, you see people uh, 
we have 3D printed guns being used in war zones nowadays. That's coming here eventually. How long? Who knows? But we better get ready now. Yeah, one of the cool things with Monero too is, and you know, something we didn't talk talk about really is the way it's mined, right? So it's CPU mined. So that's like another kind of another way to opt out, right? Because anybody with right. access to electricity can acquire Monero, right? Right. Which with Bitcoin you really can't because it's it's ASIC mined, so you can't even really compete. Um, but if you Good point anybody you know in the world, which everybody has access to a CPU, right? So. Uh, it's, it's an, it's another, it kind of ties into the agorism, uh, side of it. If you think about it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Monero is one of the best tools agorists have, and they've been using it since it came out for counter economic purposes. Um, there's a, there's a huge crossover between agorists and, and Monero, the Monero community, um, out there. Do you see the dark markets growing a lot larger? Like, you know, being becoming a larger percentage of of capitalism no doubt no doubt i think they're continuously the list of prohibited substances is growing exponentially by the day so the more shit that they make illegal uh the more incentivized people are to use dark markets do you think the government's gonna you know slam it down and like obviously like look look what they did to ross right that that slowed it down a little bit but ultimately it's bigger they can't stop it they can't stop it It, it's again it's an it's like a it's like trying to stop an avalanche it's like standing in front of an avalanche like this it's like (laughs) it's it's not going to do anything there's nothing they can do to stop it they know it we know it we know that they know it so it's just sort of a matter of time but uh again i think the people who become their own bank today um are going to be like the sort of the, the landed class the nobility of the future they're going to be the ones who are, who are ready for it. Not only that, but also the entrepreneurs who incorporate uh, the currencies of the future into their business. I think those people, the future belongs to them. Those are the, the homesteaders of the future. Yeah, that's pioneers. Yeah, pioneers. Yeah, it's a good, good way of putting it, man. Um, what resources do you recommend? So other than like freedom cells, like for agorism? Yeah. So I've got a book called Anti-Politics, which is like meant to be the sort of basic primer for agorism. If you're interested in agorism, that's where you want to start is anti-politics. But there's also other uh, books out there. Again, New Libertarian Manifesto by Sam Konkin is sort of that's our that's our book. That's like our Bible, not to blaspheme for the Christians, but um, also the Agorist Primer is another book by Konkin and Alongside Night, which is the sci-fi book that sort of describes what an Agorist revolution looks like. They even made a, a terrible movie based on the book featuring Kevin Sorbo. Um, so if any, and you can watch it online for free. So if anybody out there is bored and... Wait, what's the name of the, the movie? Alongside Night. Okay. I'll the movie's it. awful. The book <laughs> is so much better than the movie. <laughs> Just it sounds like an entertaining thing to watch, though. Is it decent or is it just like horrible? It's an awful movie. <laughs> it's an awful movie. The book is wonderful. The story is great, but the movie is just they didn't capture it. I don't know much. Can you tell tell us more about like Con, what's his name? Konkin, right? Uh, so his name is Samuel Everett Konkin the Third. He founded Agorism along with uh, his buddy Janiel Shulman. And they sort of had the idea. They came up with it. He came up with it. And uh, 
Yeah, it was. This was back in like the seventies. A lot of people don't know they actually started the Libertarian Party as a joke. Like the first Libertarian Party affiliate was started by the Agorist in California as a sort of as a joke because like who would you know to have a, a political party for Libertarians was laughable. And like they were on the ballot and they were all laughing. It was a good time. Little did they know they started a monster because you know now we have like hundreds of millions of dollars being diverted that could be used on counter-economic purposes being diverted to politicians in the libertarian party. So, but yeah, I'm going off on a tangent. Plunkin was just the founder. What, what's his reasoning for how politics doesn't then just naturally once again, arise from, you know, agorism. Well, I mean, I don't know. Why would it? Why would politics naturally arise from agorism? Is I look at agorism as the opposite. I look at politics and economics as as diametrically opposed to one another. Almost like the opposite sides of the same coin. It's like everything that happens in the market is voluntary and good. Everything that happens in politics is coerced and bad. But is it politics? That's government, right? But you're saying like that's that's a product of politics or government? Obviously, well, it's one and the same. It's one and the same. Like like a, like p- any political party or political actor is necessarily de jure part of the state, part of the state apparatus. Right. So in in this ideal world, like if we were to get to some extreme version, um, what do, you just see the state no longer existing at all or there's just you know some much weaker form of it that's still oh, no they're they're the state in an ideal agorist world um the state is gone it's replaced by voluntary market transactions and all of the politicians are in labor camps <laughs> <laughs> but how you uh who's the, who's the politician or not i mean like uh Okay. This is right. This tell me more, man. Like, like, so there's so there's basically there's we have tell, tell us there, tell us what's yeah. going on. So okay, so essentially like um it's it's anarchism. It's anarchism, no rulers. Uh and the politicians who the people who steal your money and, and send your kids to death, they they have to be punished somehow. And we don't believe in initiatory coercion. The only rights you have are property rights. So any crime that you commit can be paid back vis-a-vis making your victim whole by restitution. So we think that that could apply to politicians too. Uh, Why not uh, send them to work-based restitution camps where they can work off their debt to society? And that's where they would be in an agorist after the agorist revolution. But – yeah, no, we like who, who would collectively be deciding to put them, you know, in these camps? Isn't that a government at that point? No, no, of course not. It would it would be based off of just normal uh, a judicial process. Like uh, the non-aggression principle is what rules the day, right? You don't have the right to aggress upon another person or their property. Mm-hmm. So if you do that, then uh, you, th- that would be the only rule that governs society, and that would be. Uh, Adopted sort of voluntarily. There's a great book, again, not to keep deferring to books, but Chaos Theory by Bob Murphy, where he describes how a lot of the intricacies of a free society would work. But, um, yeah, no, it would all be voluntary. Uh, And honestly, I think that a lot of them would probably almost sort of prefer to go to the, the... the work camp and work off their debts once they realize that afterwards they can be free and they don't have to worry about being in prison for the rest of their lives, which under their rules, they would be. 
And so do you, do you participate in, in elections at all? You vote or obviously not, I guess? No, morally opposed. Okay. Morally opposed. It's, it's sort of like, um, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone has the right to impose a master on their neighbors, even, even a benevolent master, even one who's like a good guy. You don't have the right to do that. So do you, do you think there should be a strong movement? Obviously you do, right? Like, a, a, like starting this trend of telling people that like, just don't participate in politics at all. I've been in telling them for government years. Politics. I've been telling them for a long time. They, they haven't been listening. But I, I've been <laughs> telling everybody. Is it, is, it growing? is it growing? Is it a growing network? Well, first of all, we, we already outnumber the voters like by like three to one, right? The majority of the country doesn't vote. It's, right. it's, it's all, we're mostly non-voters. So, um, I guess the question would be for the voters, are you guys growing? Like <laughs> we are the majority, we're the dominant force, the non-voters. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Okay. This is, this is going to be good. Can you hang around for a little bit for the Q and A? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, 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 we got some good people in there, so they're going to be throwing some good stuff at you. I haven't even been looking. Um, all right, so the way we'll do it is we'll we'll end over here. Is there any last last words, last remarks you want to stay here in terms of like resources or where people um, learn more about you, follow you? For me, it's just salvigoris.com, salvigoris on your social media. The, I have a new book. It's called The American Experiment. You can check that out. The old book is anti-politics. That's more agorism-based. This is like a historical book. But uh Sal's gun memory on Facebook, add me on snap and Insta. And that's, that's, that's about it. I think. Awesome, man. You should come down to uh, Monerotopia. I would love to. When is it? May 7th, 7th and 8th. In Mexico. Okay. okay. Usually the, usually the conferences are in Anarchapoco in Acapulco or, or whatever. Yeah. That's in February. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this should, yeah. be, cool, this should be cool. Um, all right. Yeah. Let, let's end it there and we'll move over to the spaces. You got it. Thanks, man. All right, man. See you over there. Uh, so yeah, anybody that wants to jump up and ask a question, please do. Please request to speak. Hey, Nick, how's it going on? Pretty well. Greetings from Australia. I have literally two minutes before I have to be in a meeting. So I wanted to jump on. Uh, so great to, great to hear the conversation. Long time follower, big respect. So, guys, uh, I got a question for Sal. I'm just really curious to get you kind of long-term. You've been walking the walk as an agorist for a while. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on uh, would you, as an entrepreneur, would you still want to accept fiat? And if not, uh, do you feel that kind of fully exiting the fiat system, does that, uh, does that limit your opportunity for kind of business growth? Uh, do you feel like staying totally out of the fiat system in order to not have the authorities come down on you and crush you, do you have to kind of avoid growing too big or being too successful? If you were going to do a million dollars a year in turnover, you know, did, is that going to raise too many questions and you've got to stay small? Uh, any thoughts or reflections you have on that as someone who's genuinely doing it with the 3D printers and things? Yeah, I think um, you have to accept fiat, unfortunately, still. Um, like a 3D printer go burr, I would say still probably about like 80% of our transactions are conducted in fiat, maybe a little bit less, maybe like 70%, 65% are conducted in fiat. 
But, you know, as agorists, we seek disruption, but we also seek profit. So it's, it's sort of a balance of the two. It has to be worthwhile to engage in that venture. And, uh, yeah, I think that you have to accept fiat, unfortunately, for the time being. Although I do know agorists who um, intentionally set up ventures where there is no fiat accepted just for the express purpose of trying to promote you know retail adoption or maybe let's say you know your favorite coin is x coin they don't there's nowhere to buy coffee with x coin so some agorist will set up a coffee shop accepting x coin that's a different story but i think like if you're going to go full-time counter economist in my experience you sort of you do need to accept fiat still unfortunately yeah, cool. That's that's a cool insight. Thank you. Yeah, I think you know, accepting fiat is different than holding fiat. You know, it's oh, you briefly sure. exchange exactly. in and out. I don't think you're really contributing that much to, uh, you know, propping up the value of fiat. Right. In in fact, there's an argument to be made that if you accept the fiat and then convert it into crypto, you're actually decreasing the demand for that. So you know, who knows? But no, I I agree with you. I think that at the end of the day, you sort of you, you still have to accept it. Yes, cool. Thank you for that. That's that's interesting. Uh, I'm gonna have to sign off and jump into a meeting at my day job because it's, uh, it's 11:30 a.m. here. <laughs> yeah, great you, listening Nick. to you guys. So I'll catch you another time. Thank you, Nick. Good question. Body, what's going on, man? Howdy. So uh, that was a nice, great back and forth you guys had about um, the political system and whether it's effective or not to uh, to try and use it. Um, and truth be told, I'm, I'm actually mostly inclined to agree with Sal that it's almost entirely, um, almost entirely a negative. But there was one thing that Ron Paul said um, in his closing address as he left Congress, and he said that he had accomplished almost nothing legislatively. Um, but that it was the educational outreach that had the greatest impact. Um, so, Sal, I was wondering, what do you think about that? Um, is there some value to be had there merely as an educational venue? So I would say no. <clears throat> um, I don't think that there is any sort of educational value to, to the Libertarian Party or to politics. Um, I'm not sure. Again, it would be like imagine if the, if the Marlboro Man was – sitting up there teaching us about cardiac health while chain-smoking marbles. It's sort of the same thing when politicians sort of try to teach us about liberty. Ron Paul, of course, is the exception to the rule. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's very difficult. You know, there's a great article by Sam Conkin, which I included in Anti-Politics. It's actually got its own chapter um, where he basically says, look at the Socialist Party. They've ran a candidate for president since like you know hundreds or a hundred years or however long and they never win so it's it's if you ask them it's only about the educational uh, aspect of it all and rothbard says what has been the extent of their educational impact upon the public slim to none he says and what happens with these third parties is that not only does the candidate get sort of washed away as a sort of a, a kook, right? It's dismissed as a, a sort of crazy, but the ideology goes down the drain with him. And I think that that sort of has been the case with the Libertarian Party. I mean, the Libertarian ideas are much, much stronger than the Libertarian Party. So um, 
if if their goal was education, then they've been failing miserably at it for the last 40 years or 50 years, however long they've been around. I think that people like uh, Doug and other people who have podcasts about teaching people how to actually live free, they are the ones who have a much greater educational impact than any politician could ever have. So you're saying there's a chance, probably not, <laughs> you know, right. but there's like a one in a million Ron Paul out there. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like your chances of actually being successful in that avenue are slim to none, but we can't say it's none. I mean, you know, the paleos like Ron Paul and Lou Rockwell, um, I would say that they have had, other than the agorists, they've been the most effective faction of the libertarian community. If you just, if, and, and really the only reason why is because they have had some sort of educational impact. Right, like Lou Rockwell created Mises Institute, Rothbard created all of us, like a libertarian movement. So uh, they have been successful in that, but they haven't created liberty. Right? They've created libertarians, but they haven't created liberty. Agorists create liberty. That's the difference. Like when we when we teach someone how to become their own bank, or we teach them how to make a gun with a three D printer, or we teach them how to grow their own food, we're teaching them how to be free. That's something that's not accomplished um, either through politics or, or political education. Cool. Thanks for the response. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, guess who's back? What's going on, man? I'll jump to somebody else. Adrian. Um, uh, hello? Oh, sorry. Uh, all right. Go, go ahead. ahead. Guess go ahead. who's back. Go ahead, yes. Um, I was uh, I, I needed to buy a three D printer, the three D print a killdozer. Do you know anyone who uses <laughs> them for privacy coins? <laughs> Not of the size three D printer that you're going to need to build a killdozer. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I had a serious question though. Um, you said that the uh, privacy would be a um, stumbling block for retail adoption, but. Um, you know, the bodega down the street, the, the taco truck, all these businesses nearby, bars I go to, they, they want cash uh, only or prefer it. And that's been the standard having, you know, private fungible cash has been the standard for 6,000 years. And we've only recently or more, and we've only recently had this Panopticon system of debit cards and credit cards for convenience that's been starting to dominate the past 10, 20 years and only been around really for 40, 50 years. So it's really the exception to the rule. So I, I, and then there's a third world developing unbanked uh, economies. I, I kind of am wondering what, what, why, why do we care about Starbucks and big chains, Lowe's and all these other companies um, that are basically only exist because of the Cantillon effect? Why are we concerned with trying to get them to accept privacy coins, so-called privacy coins? So if I understand your question, I mean, it's not about, um, it's not about like uh, Lowe's or Starbucks. It's about enabling people to stop using the Federal Reserve notes. And in order to do that, they need an, a, a medium of exchange that's widely accepted at Lowe's and at Starbucks and, and you know, everyday sort of places like 7-Eleven or wherever you go, the grocery store, right? So... Um, they're not accepting 
any crypto directly as far as i know if there is one please let me know i'll go shop there but i think that there are tools that make it easier for us to use uh at those in those sort of everyday transactions it's super easy to do that with bitcoin cash doug has has a couple ways you can do that with monero so i mean you know if you don't have to Every dollar that you spend is, is a dollar that sort of helps fund the murder of a child that we've never heard of, that we've never met before, a little girl in Yemen, right? So in order to not sort of go into that sort of moral gray territory, why not become your own bank? And you have the added benefit of not letting Nancy Pelosi rob you. Yeah, I, I see that use case applying both Bitcoin Cash and Monero and other uh, cryptocurrencies, but why specifically would it matter if the cash is peer-to-peer, -peer, digital, fungible, just like cash and gold coins and silver coins have been for thousands of years? And, you know, this tracking and tracing thing is really a recent development past decade, a few decades. One, so two, you mean like... Like, like like P2P, why is P2P big, in other words? Um, why is that important? I, I'm wondering why would people adopt BCH but not XMR? Oh, well, I don't mean, see privacy is a stumbling block. Right, right. Again, look, whatever, use whatever you can. My argument for BCH is that retail adoption is more widespread. So if, if you know, if your goal is to not use Federal Reserve notes at all, like zero, it's easier to do that. As far as I know, again, Doug has. He, I'm sure, if you're if you're involved in the everyday trappings of the of some particular crypto community, you're probably more well versed in how to do that and the different tools that are available to you. Um, Doug knows more about Monero than I do. I'm sure that that might be possible. I'm sure that it is possible some way. I'm not sure the specific tools, but I know that with, you know, some of the major cryptos, the pseudonymous chains that haven't been sort of sanctioned because they have base layer privacy, they're a little bit easier to use, or at least they are super easy to use, right? Like you can load up Ethereum on your crypto.com card, one, two, three. It's like, doesn't, it's not a pain in the ass. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that I, I wonder if, like that would probably be my answer to your question, I guess. It's just that it's more, a retail adoption is more widespread. It's more easier to use. It's more liquid of a currency. Again, at the end of the day, in the long term, though, I would not be surprised one bit if a privacy coin like Monero does win the day. Um, because I do expect the state to sort of ban pseudonymous chains. That's going to happen. That's, that's an, an inevitability. So, uh, you know, who knows how it's going to play out. Use whatever you can. Use any option. If it's easier for you to use silver coins, use silver coins. As long as you're not using fiat currency from an Agoras perspective, we're happy. Okay. I mean, in South America, I think Dash has made some inroads in certain places. And, uh, Venezuela. Made some... What's that? Venezuela. Venezuela, right. I, I've heard similar things. So, like... You know, use whatever you can. As long as you're not using that the central bank money, that's that's the key. Like, as long as we're not contributing to the demand for blood money, that's that's the key. Okay. Well, I, I think uh, the New Hampshire Free State Libertarian Parallel Economy community folks 
Um, I think they're edging towards preferring Monero over most things. BCH has a pretty good foothold there. Dash does, Goldbacks do. Um, and, you know, BCH has a good foothold in the Caribbean somewhere, I think. Roger, Roger Vera has a, you know, really great reputation among libertarians, especially in New Hampshire. Uh, but I think out of all those places, the Caribbean, Venezuela, New Hampshire, and then there's the darknet markets. I think New Hampshire is most relevant to me and e-commerce, I mean, is a pretty big deal. So I think we're uh, a little more established than you might uh, notice. You, 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 you're, you're, you're probably right. Um, you know, look, at the end of the day, I don't really give a shit what coin wins the day. If tomorrow we woke up and uh, Ron Paul coin, the breaking news around the world was that Ron Paul coin had successfully disintermediated the Federal Reserve, I would be singing the praises of Ron Paul coin. I would be a Ron Paul coin maximalist. I would be telling everybody to use Ron Paul coin. Right, as 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 long as it's not the the Federal Reserve notes, I'm happy. I just think that um, right now, again, the only product they have is exchange media, and the most efficient medium exchange we have at the moment is Bitcoin Cash. All right. Well, I look uh, forward to seeing you in Mexico. You too. Absolutely. But what if Ron Paul coin was completely traceable? <laughs> Adrian, go ahead, man. What do you got? Uh, hey, guys. How's it going? So I know this is Monero Talk Live, but um, I actually am going to talk about Bitcoin Cash because I'm a big Bitcoin Cash guy, and I know Sal is a also a big uh, Bitcoin Cash proponent. So, uh, Sal, quick question. Go for it. Um, you know, just wondering what your take is on like all of the forks of Bitcoin Cash. I mean, we had the original fork away from Bitcoin, which was done by Amory Sachet. Then we had the Craig Stephen Wright who forked off to make BSV. Uh, you know, then Amory, then the Bitcoin node guys, they forked away from Emery Sachet when he introduced that dumbass like block level tax and he made his like garbage e-cash, which I mean, I 100% don't support. It's absolutely fucking stupid. All right. Like, I mean, oh, sorry. Can we curse on your, I don't know. Sorry. And I did it anyway, but um, so, so I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just curious to get your take on all of these forks, which has had a serious impact on the BCH price. Um, you know, for me personally, I actually see the forks away as a strength. The fact that the incumbent dev team of Emery, when he makes a dumb move, you know, he's going to get forked out of it and lose the BCH symbol. BCH continues on. I actually see that as a strength. And I mean, the core developers used to say similar things like that on Bitcoin that they're just stewards of like the source code repository, yada, yada, yada. And like, if they're replaced by a better idea, that's totally fine. And like, we've actually witnessed this numerous times with Bitcoin Cash and it still survives. So to me, that really, you know, is the strength of Bitcoin Cash. But uh, just curious to get your thoughts on that. Uh, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I think you're right. I think it's a strength. Um, I see in the in the chat, 
um, some friends of BSV and friends of Amari's. So I'm not going to talk too much shit. But I think you're right at the end of the day. I think that the fact that there's been so many forks and yet Satoshi's initial vision of peer-to-peer e-cash has nevertheless survived it just goes to show the, the, the original strength of his idea. Um, that's not to say that those forks, or at least one or two of them, aren't without merit or that, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of what Amari did, but um, I, I, I do see the logic in having giant blocks um, like BSV at the end of the day, even that though has sort of cut into the retail adoption, which is why I still prefer BCH. But I think you're right. I think that having all of these forks and nevertheless seeing that uh, Satoshi's vision, to use a pun, uh, has sort of remained with Bitcoin Cash, it's it's reassuring. And as far as the price goes, like all these things, all these forks cutting into the price. Who cares? Who gives a shit, right? Like uh, anybody who's not economically illiterate knows that a, a currency as volatile as a cryptocurrency is not suitable to be used as a store of value. The people who were duped by the scammers, Sifedina Moose, they lost all their money, unfortunately. I tried to warn them. They called me all sorts of names when I, when I did warn them, but uh, that ship has sailed. But... Um, whether Bitcoin Cash or Monero or whatever coin you're using is worth $1 or worth $1 million is irrelevant if you're only using it as a sort of everyday medium of exchange. Like, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars, I'm still going to use it instead of Federal Reserve notes. I'm still going to be out there buying coffee and I'm going to go to Home Depot and I got to get gas. I'm going to buy shit. Like, I'm going to be using Bitcoin Cash for that, regardless of the price. When the price is high, my life is a lot better, obviously, but um, at the end of the day, I, I just refuse to, uh, you know, I refuse to fund Nancy Pelosi's, um, you know, her, her latest yacht purchase. I don't want to pay to murder kids on the other side of the world. And the only way I, the only option I have, the only out I have uh, is is cryptocurrency. The most easiest one that I found has been so far Bitcoin Cash. So fast follow-up question. So I know St. Kitts and Nevis is potentially going to adopt Bitcoin Cash as legal tender uh, as soon as March, I believe, 2023. Uh, just to get your opinion on that, and um, do you think that the price pumps at that point, or is the market just too small? I'm opposed to all legal tender laws. Um, I was opposed to it when El Salvador... Uh, did it with, with BTC and I'll, and I'll be opposed to it when St. Kitts and Nevis do it with Bitcoin Cash because uh, who is the government to tell you or I that we have to accept some certain commodity uh, in exchange for something? What if I don't want to accept that commodity? Right. So like that's the whole thing with legal tender law. If, if um, you go to court with someone and there's a judgment issued against you, or, or a judgment issued in your favor, I should say. And that person says, all right, well, here's, you know, $1,000 in, you know, Federal Reserve notes. You say, well, I don't want Federal Reserve notes. Well, to, guess what? You know, that's, that's legal tender. All debts, public and private, you have to accept it. They will literally force you to accept BTC in El Salvador. 
that's wrong. That's contrary to the vision of Satoshi. It never should be the case. And I know a lot of people, friends of mine, have worked very hard to get Bitcoin Cash where it is in the Caribbean. And I, I just can't get behind it. I, um, at the end of the day, I'm loyal to voluntarism. The only reason I'm interested in crypto is because I'm a voluntarist. And, I, and it's, crypto is a sort of a means to an end, a way to get to a free society. So legal tender laws have no place in a free society. So, nice, man. Do, do you think it pumps though? Like, <laughs> does it, but does it? Yeah, fun? I mean, it's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your principles, whatever. Am I gonna make money? That's. Oh, I'm like, just that's, curious. That's the whole thing, though. It's like, you know, to me, it's not an investment. It's crypto. Isn't it shouldn't be looked at as a way to get rich. If you're looking at crypto as like, am I gonna make money? You're probably fucked because. Um, it's 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 probably not going to work out the way you want it to work out. What I've found is, if you believe in the technology and you just hold fast to your principles, and you're right, which I think we are. If you're economically right, if you're the economics, the science of economics is behind you, which it is. Right, read Mises, Menger, Rothbard. Uh, then it's sort of an inevitability that we're going to make money, and that happens, right? That happens. Just. By outcompeting the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, crypto has blown up since since its inception. So, you know, anybody who's been in crypto for a long time can tell you we've done fairly well with it. I, I love being 100% Monero. Feels good. Feels good. You guys have done particularly <laughs> well in this little downturn. <laughs> Adrian, I got to ask, what's your take on Monero? Um uh, maybe from like a technological standpoint, like what do you think of the dynamic block size, the tail emission, uh, the um, default privacy? Um, I think it's kind of interesting. It's interesting that it doesn't have a UTXO set. It just is a TXO set. Um, yeah, I like the scalability of the blocks. Um, I mined it briefly myself in, I don't know, 2016, just on my computer. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually quite interesting. Um but again, like I'm more of a Bitcoin and well, actually, no, I'm more of a Bitcoin cash guy, but I mean, I do still have Bitcoin. So, I mean, those are my two um, main, you know, cryptocurrencies that I'm interested in. So, um, but yeah, Monero, I've got no problems with it. I think it's actually very, very interesting. I, I just find it a bit difficult to acquire it. So um, I tend to stick with like, Bitcoin Cash and I guess to a lesser degree Bitcoin. There's some there's some good uh, you know instant exchanges now. A lot of them where you could easily swap between. What's a good exchange, Doug? Which one do you recommend? Uh, well, I don't really use them to be to be, to be honest. Um, but yeah, there's. So where there's... do you where, where do you get your Monero then? Just people pay I, you for it? Yeah, yeah. That's the best way to get it. Yeah. That if you're looking to move a big amount, um, Kraken is a pretty solid option. Isn't that um, who owns Kraken again? Jesse Powell Jesse was Powell. the uh, CEO, but he recently relinquished his spot uh, to somebody else. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I I, hey, I, so honestly, I I recommend those those P2P exchanges just because you so you can avoid that KYC shit. But I, I understand sometimes it's easier. 
Yeah, if you're trying to move um, from Fiat into Monero and you're trying to move a lot of it, um, you know, like say 100,000 or more, I would prob I would definitely personally go with Kraken. Um, there's a lot of regulations there. They have an OTC desk. Um, you could hypothetically kind of do it slowly with something like local Monero. Um, and I believe there's protection mechanisms built in there as well. But, um, you know, you Kraken is actually a, a corporation and it does seem like they have tried pretty hard more than most of these corporations to be compliant um, with the regulations. You know, actually that, if I might, um, I, I'll try not to rant <laughs> too long, but there was one thing that I, I kind of wanted to address. Um, and I don't think that privacy has been the problem with exchanges not listing Monero. Um, in fact, to the contrary, it seems like most of these exchanges have actually been quite willing to break the law um, for a number of different things. Like we could point to FTX as being an obvious case, but even Coinbase, um, they were fined by the CFTC last year for allowing um, a certain Litecoin developer <laughs> to um, to wash trades, create wash trading bots on on Coinbase. Um, they've listed all kinds of stuff that was questionably legal. They they tried to go up against the SEC pretty recently. It doesn't seem to me like they were all that um, reticent to uh, to do things that were illegal. But you know, and then the other thing too is that Jesse Powell, is the CEO of Kraken, until very recently, um, last year he said that they. They were under almost. They were under no regulatory pressure regarding Monero. Um, now that changed, I think, in the United Kingdom. But as far as the United States, um, that he was just under no regulatory pressure. So I don't think that the issue is that is privacy is preventing these guys from listing coins. They've been very willing to break all kinds of regulations and laws. Personally, I think the problem is that they didn't get it for free. They didn't have so Monero kept out ASICs um, except for a couple very short time frames. There was no. Um, there was no ASICs that mined for Monero, so there was no centralization of the supply in that in that form. There was no pre-mine, um, no insta-mine, stuff like that. So personally, I think that it has a lot more to do with the exchanges not having gotten it for free, so they can't make a profit. And then, of course, the fact that chain analysis is a $10 billion industry. So, you know, it, it, Monero disrupts that industry. Um, so, sorry, not, yeah, not so much a question, a bit of a rant. But that doesn't explain why... Uh, BitPay or Crypto.com um, or uh, any of these other sort of payment processors that have sort of sidled up to cryptocurrency in the last two years, none of them have jumped on board. And I, I would be surprised if the reason why was not like the SEC sort of giving them the evil eye or the IRS or the FTC or, the, or FINRA giving them the evil eye and being like, you know what, if you fuck with Monero, you know we don't like Monero because we can't we can't see what people are up to. If you if you go down that road, we're gonna come down heavy on you. And uh, it would be surprising to me if like the major exchanges like I mean you have to think about it. Like if you're the Winklevoss twins, you have billions of dollars at stake. Like, you know, the the million dollars of Monero transactions you're gonna sell over the course of the next year are probably not worth risking your good relationship with the SEC that you've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to people to uh, sort of cultivate. So I don't know. You might be right. I'm not sure. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that it's, it's, you know, retail adoption has been stifled in one way or another. 
You know, that's kind of a funny point uh, that, you know, they've maybe they've paid the SEC or maybe they've made these backroom deals. And ironically, maybe the regulators don't care about unregistered securities nearly as much uh, as they care about a private fungible digital freedom money. That would be, you know, and I'm kind of cynical in that way. So I, I, maybe, you know, maybe there could be something there. Uh, maybe that is possible. But at the end of the day, that's kind of all the more reason that we should use and support Monero, because obviously it bothers them enough that they would go to all that trouble to disregard it. Sal, I just wanted to say uh, I love your memes. Endless entertainment day after day. <laughs> nice. so thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Sal, I just posted a Stealth X, a link to it up top or in the nest. That's an instant exchange where you get Monero, you know, via crypto. No What's KYC. the nest? Where do I where do I see the nest? No KYC. Oh, I got it. I see it. Okay. But uh, in in Cake Wallet as well, there's there's other instant exchanges built into it. I mean, you don't get the best rate. Uh, like Body was saying, obviously the best way is through something like Kraken. Uh, but if you're just trying to go from crypto to you know to to Monero, that's a good way. And obviously, you know, there's other ways as well, uh, decentralized exchanges that are adding Monero. Yeah, that's that's sort of been my my go-to has been these DEXs. That's what I've been sort of pushing people towards awesome. ever since McAfee pushed me that way. There's there's a basic swap, but I've heard that's not very user-friendly quite yet. It just launched uh, a week ago. But there's also Trade Ogre, which is a non-KYC uh, centralized exchange that's pretty popular among people. I've used it quite a few times back what when I was... called Trade Ogre? Trade yeah. Ogre, yeah. Yeah, you I can mean, go to kycnot.me and make a big list of exchanges for that. Okay. You've probably heard of BISC as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, BISC is on the list. There's Agora, there's others. Has anyone tried, is, is it, this might be a stupid question, has anyone tried to use ThorChain? They were, they were working on adding it, but uh, development stopped. Why? Because. Uh, yeah, it's basically what happened. They didn't want to add a, pri a true privacy coin. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean. Most of their uh, most of their infrastructure is hosted on AWS, is my understanding. So that's part of the reason they uh, that somehow plays into it, maybe. Right, right, right. See, that's what I mean, though. Like in the immediate term, it's easier for people to use Bitcoin Cash. And maybe it's possible that in the long term, a more fungible, non-pseudonymous chain wins the day. But right now, if we're going to tell people stop using Federal Reserve notes. Stop funding the murder of little girls in Yemen. It's a hell of a lot easier to do that with a coin that, that isn't sort of sanctioned by the state um, and to use something instead like Bitcoin Cash. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think to... you're wrong, man. <laughs> wrong. Well, I got a question. How do you onboard into BCH with no KYC then? Because if you're buying BCH and it's through KYC exchange, all of a sudden you're screwed forever. How, how is that? Hit how me do... up on Telegram. And I'll sell you some. No, I'm just kidding. But like any <laughs> of these like peer-to-peer -peer exchanges will do it. And that's true of any crypto, though. That's true of Monero or, or Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. You can just go through one of these, you know, local coin swap or local cryptos or something like that. I just go through uh, 
a local Monero. It's like buying yeah. a dime bag back in high school, pizza shop. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> See, I'm looking for the day when you can actually buy the dime bag directly with Monero. That's what I'm searching for. That day, Bro, Monero is like the number year. one coin in the dark, the dark webs. You're absolutely right. It is. In fact, there are a lot of dark webs who only accept it now. That's the only coin that they'll accept. The only dark web to start, like, set up shop, be successful, and then say, hey, we've made enough money, we're going to close down. To not exit scam and to not get bust, they were Monero only. Uh, was that White well, House? Yeah, I think it was White House. I don't know. I don't know any of those. I shouldn't be even. I don't know. Yeah, that's not a discussion. It's a recorded space, bro. Open channel. <laughs> right, right, right. <clears throat> um, but yeah. Uh, question I have for everyone. Hello, everyone. I've learned about Monero about a month ago. I've been studying. I work in cybersecurity. I'm Owen. And I've been studying the protocol extensively. Um, and so I've also been teaching others about it. And I've been switching my business. And I've moved. I've divested from Bitcoin and jumped nice. all the way in on on, Bitcoin, on Monero. Um, and my, I'm just checking my miner right now. Um, my question is, I understand. I was wondering if there's a way to... Um, I'm in the Monero CLI, the command line interface, and I was wondering if there's a way to actually to make integrated addresses using the GUI, or B, if there's any um, further support for um, for businesses, because it's I'm trying to teach others about it, and I'm you know I'm I'm actually just sealed a deal with a client a few days ago, and uh, he's starting a company that's working in the crypto area, and uh, he's paying me Monero now, so I just wanted to make sure is there anything I'm missing, or is there is there any is there any future support for um, for vendors, I'm also looking That's... at the BTC Pay server and the Monero, um, the Monero module for that as well. But there's Monero is a great protocol, by the way. You, whoever dubbed it, whoever designed it, did a pretty damn good job. I have a hard on for it, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for like my own personal, like we, we sell coffee on Gratuitous. I use the Monero gateway uh, that works well for accepting payments, and you know it hooks up with the WooCommerce. Um, I also use uh, Now Payments that works well. Yeah, and I'm being told that new uh, module for BTC Pay Server is the way to go. I haven't experimented with using it yet, but I'm being told it's uh, pretty awesome, yeah. pretty user friendly. I was looking at that, but you, you can only have one wallet at a time with BTC Pay Server. You can switch wallets, and um, like I'm, I'm here. I just got my uh, hardware, my hardware um, wallet today, and the first thing I configured was Monero with it. But I was just wondering. Um, you know, I'm going to be testing that, trying to figure out how to break it. And so far, it's working pretty well. So the devs have done a damn good job on the protocol. Um, but you will definitely have some... Uh, I was talking to a, a veteran friend a few days ago about Monero, two days ago. And, um, you know, you will definitely have some powerful adversaries, obviously, not just in the crypto spaces, but elsewhere. So I was also wondering, is there anything that people of the devs have thought about to make it more robust and even more secure? In the future, as it gets more and more adopted, there will be people trying to obviously attack the protocol or worse, you know, a $5 rent attack against devs, for example. And I hope that the devs are, I'm a crypto anarchist, I hope they're just as security conscious as I am to make sure that they're safe for obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, I think Monero's done a particularly good job at that. Um, it's kind of the culture of Monero. You know, everybody kind of lays low. There's a lot of anonymous devs, Monero Moo being the, the, most, the most active um what was your your other question i had oh yeah you know um i wanted to bring up i mean these questions you're asking so at monerotopia we're gonna have a workshop one of the workshops is gonna this is gonna be like a monero 101 workshop for people just learning about monero they so they can you know 
download a wallet, teach them how to use that, you know, really super basic, send them their first Monero transaction, tell them how they could buy the gift cards. Then we're going to have like a more advanced for like people like you that want to figure out how to start integrating it into, you know, uh, their businesses uh, using some things like BTC pay server. Uh, and then also, you know, how to mine, how to run a full node. Um, so, so that should be cool. You want to check that out. I'm going to post the link to Monero Topia. I'll throw that up here. Um, Baldy, any any comments, man? Based on what you're hearing right now, I want to make sure I'm not missing uh, any any good info to throw out there. No, I, I really like the way that Sal approaches things from a very pragmatic standpoint. Um, you know, I think in, in crypto, a lot of times we're missing that. People want to be as idealistic as they possibly can, and, and they're highly theoretical about all this stuff. But um, you know, I mean, it is true that uh, in a lot of ways, it easy it is easier to get your hands on Bcash or um, or even Bitcoin than it is to get your hands on Monero, uh, and it's not so prevalent on the exchanges as we might prefer. Um, but uh, now, just thanks, man, for coming on and for for chatting with us. Appreciate that. Yeah, of I have a question to ask about on this topic that I was really curious about. Very practical question: How do you go from uh, crypto to getting uh, credit cards? Um, while still maintaining a pseudonym or an anonymous uh, profile without necessarily breaking the law, because that's something I've had trouble with. I've, I needed to buy services such as like um, you know online services or software, and of course the ones that I can pay in crypto, that's great. But ones that I can't, and I don't want to dox my profile. It's not really like anything like a big profile or anything. But I still don't want. I still want to like learn the basic protocol procedures. I wonder if anybody had any answers practically for that. Yeah, man. You can use a you can use a Bitcoin debit card, and then use a um, a Dex, or you can use a site to find a Tor at Exchange, do an atomic swap between Monero and Bitcoin, and load your card from there. There's also uh, any links. I have no idea where to go. I'm pretty new to this. Oh, sure. You go. The 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 trouble is though, with even with a lot of those um, debit cards, you're gonna have to go through the KYC process, and you're gonna have to. Yeah, I don't want a KYC process at all. Yeah, you're going to have to send like BitPay, like a blood and stool sample, basically. Um, the, the the only way around it, honestly, is to find a vendor who accepts whatever coin you may you may have or you're trying to spend. Um, that might be easier said than done. But from an Agora's perspective, to me, that's an opportunity, right? If you're trying to buy some widget with cryptocurrency or with some particular cryptocurrency, you're probably not the only one. So to me that, you know, maybe there's a market um, for people to sell that good or service using cryptocurrency. Um, one of the easiest, easiest uh, entrepreneurial ventures in, in agorism is to find things that the state might not approve of and to offer them for sale for crypto. That's uh, exactly what I've done with 3D Printer Go Burr. I mean, it's it's sort of uh, people don't want a record of their transactions for certain things. And if you can offer those certain things for cryptocurrency, I think you'll probably do well from an entrepreneurial perspective. I mean, you know, I don't know what services you're looking to buy or sell or whatnot, but that might, I'm just saying that might be an indicator that there's a market for that. I mean, I'm talking about perfectly legitimate services. I just don't want my identity tied to the card that I'm spending it on. That's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. So again, you you, you probably have to find a vendor who who, uh, who can conduct that transaction for you. Um, 
you know, that being said, there was, uh, I can't think of the name of it now, but there was like, um, maybe somebody knows of it. There was some service out there where like, all right, if I wanted my cable bill paid and I only have Bitcoin cash, well, the cable company doesn't accept Bitcoin cash. So what I do is I could like post my cable bill uh, and like along with like the Bitcoin cash and somebody will come along and claim it, pay it. And then they can take that Bitcoin cash from me. So the bill's paid. I'm I'm out the Bitcoin cash, and, and everything is, is sort of functioning smoothly. I forget the name of that project, but it, it didn't last very long. But I thought it was pretty cool when it was around. But that would have accomplished what you're going for. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some alternative to it nowadays. I mean, I like that Cake Wallet does the thing where you can get gift cards and stuff. But you know, there's some services that just are simply not going to accept uh, crypto or whatever that everybody or like you know people need so really would be yeah. good to or i don't know i wouldn't know how to fill that gap but it would be really good gap to fill yeah for sure that's that's where we want to go that's that's where we're trying to get that's the end goal is when you can do everything without having to use the federal reserve uh that's when we win that's when they sort of go away hey uh you can go to kyc kilo yankee charlie november oscar tango dot decimal Mike Elf Mike Echo M E and you see Agora Dust, you see a Lude, you see others, Infinity Exchanger. You can then swap your Monero for Bitcoin and it can be more flexible for you if you want a links. KYC dot dot M E. That's about thirty different exchanges there. So they all got it. Thank you. And they no problem. Gary, what's going on, man? Not much, just trying to learn here. I wonder if I could ask a question. I haven't been following the Monero community. I was a big proponent of BCH when they originally forked off. And it seems like Roger Ver and his crowd kind of got forgotten about and BCH just got delisted, I know. But my concern with Monero had always been verifying what the market cap actually was. And while I have read, uh, I think, what is considered to be the latest and greatest argument in favor of Monero from that perspective, what is what is the communities? What is the Monero communities? Uh, what is their attitude towards richer or fluffy pony? Buddy, you want to take that one? Sure. Um, so I probably can't comment exactly on um, you know maybe where fluffy pony is at, um, but uh, so there's a few ways that I approach this. For, for starters, you can verify the supply of Monero um, in exactly the same way that you would verify the supply of Bitcoin. Um, the proper, correct way to do it is to start from the very first block, look at every single transaction, and make sure that your inputs and your outputs equal zero, right? So that there's, there was no coin printed. Um, so that's the sort of formal way um, to verify supply because you don't even have a UTXO set to sum up unless you've done that already. Now, with Bitcoin, you get this nice secondary check on your work that um, you can say, okay, well, um, you know, we can we can double check our answer by summing up the UTXO set and making sure that that equals what we expect it to. Um, but the formal correct way to audit supply is um, is to add up every transaction. Now, Monero uses um, range proofs, which means that we can verify that the sum of the inputs um, and the outputs is equal to zero without actually knowing uh, the inputs and the outputs. So this is. Um, this is basically as reliable as like regular addition, rather regular arithmetic. So it's not um, 
it's it's not a problem for us in terms of like mathematically speaking. Um, we can be very confident in that mathematics. So then the other question finally becomes, well, what if there was some kind of inflation bug? What if we made a mistake? Uh, what if the code implementation of those mathematics was an error? Um, which is, you know, in a lot of ways, that's a very low probability. Um, because Monero was using, essentially we used very uh, basic cryptographic primitives that have been known and used for a long period of time. So the chance that there's some kind of bug in that code is pretty low, but to me, here's the clincher. Whether it's Bitcoin or whether it's Monero, an exploited inflation bug in any chain destroys your opportunity to be the number one like globally adopted digital freedom money. Um, it removes you, like so if Bitcoin, for example, had an exploited inflation bug. Okay, maybe they could roll the chain back, maybe they couldn't. How long is the chain gonna be shut down while they argue about that? Bitcoin's gonna lose the number one spot permanently and it'll never regain it. So an inflation bug is catastrophic for any, uh, any chain that experiences an, an exploit like that. So to me, it's not really a big factor in whether or not a coin should be considered uh, for kind of like the top running spot uh, as a digital freedom money. Hopefully that answers your question. Fantastic answer, man. Well, yeah, I think it answers the the real motivation behind the question, but I do think there's that the, the last explanation you provide isn't very, I don't think it's very strong because fundamentally the concern isn't what the community is. Everyone's not going to pull together, so to speak. There are incentives if there are bad actors, which is why I highlight fluffy pony um, every interaction I've ever had with the man was less than kind, and he seemed to be irrational. Knowing he was involved with development, uh, you know, certainly is cause for concern for my involvement with in future involvement or investment in Monero. So Fluffy actually wasn't—he's not a developer for Monero. He was a maintainer um, of the re, of the repository. I think like very very early on, he did some like a tiny bit of development. But he's actually not a developer uh, for Monero. He he was the lead maintainer, but he handed that over, um, I think about two years ago now. So he his, he doesn't really have any involvement with Monero now at this point, uh, other than kind of socially speaking. And I believe no, he gave up his GitHub keys um, last year with the whole incident uh, that he went through. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, the pro the project's open source, man. It'd be like you could have those same concerns with Bitcoin. Maybe uh, Craig Wright with Satoshi. <laughs> no, I, I, isn't the latest uh, admission of Satoshi's identity that he is some arms dealer or something? Um, Martin Screlly just published something on a Substack. Yeah, you know, I heard something about that last the other year. Maybe it was last year. I, I thought that was kind of funny, but I mean, who knows, right? But it's still entertaining. I heard Doug was Satoshi. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> oh, hey, what's going on, man? Got a, you you want to throw something in there? Uh, yes. Um, oh, other than I'm actually looking up applying to become a dev. Um, my other question was, what are the weak? Uh, what are the you? I'm, you all probably know about SWOT analysis: strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What are Monero's weaknesses right now? What are things that, that the community needs to do to make it more robust, more efficient, and more secure in the future? And I, and I don't understand the full protocol. I'm still, um, I've looked at ring CC, stealth addresses, ring signatures, et cetera. I'm, my focus now is, uh, is on um, ring CT. But what, what, where, how far do we have to go to really get Monero to the next level, if I'm asked? It's, it's pretty damn robust as it is. I'll give you that. That's why I've, as I said, I have a hard on for it. But what are the weaknesses of it? That's not something people tend to focus on. Yeah, no, people are always talking about it in Monero. Oh, sure. Um, 
yeah, at the conference, we'll, we'll be talking about a, a lot of things that need to be, you know, Monero, it's a constant battle, right? Because it is a privacy coin, so more so arguably than perhaps something like Bitcoin, because it's also trying to maintain privacy on the core protocol level. Right. Um, I guess ring signatures is the thing that sticks out most as being, uh, you know, something that needs to evolve and be upgraded. So, like, I would say arguably Monero works very well as digital cash today. Um, but ring signatures is something that we'd probably, you know, that we want to upgrade as soon as it just recently was upgraded. We've increased the rings, but, uh, we have a big upgrade coming down the pipe soon where, uh, essentially, you know, it's going to be, uh, going from, I think like 16 rings to, you know, the equivalent of like, maybe like 130 rings. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Body. Body could obviously talk about these things in a uh, more technical fashion. Yeah, I'll give you a quick rundown here. Um, so, yeah, as Doug was saying, uh, the number of decoys that go into a transaction, um, while sufficient, ideally it would be higher. Um, so the development's happening right now, Seraphis, the idea is to bump that up to maybe 32, 64, 128. Um, the other thing, so that there's a few things. Um, another one that you'll hear people talk about is the transaction size. So in terms of hypothetically, what's the limit of uh, block size um, where we can still maintain reasonable decentralization, people can still sync a node. Um, transaction size and especially internet bandwidth is kind of a limitation on that. So this is one of those things that um, if we continue increasing internet bandwidth um, at the same rate that we've been increasing, hopefully in 10 to 20 years, this becomes much less of a problem. Maybe we can um, we can be doing something closer to visa level transactions, um, potentially a lightning network, some rudimentary lightning network uh, would, be, would be a good thing to have. Um, personally, one thing I would like to see is our hash power significantly increased. Um, it would be great to see something like a 10x in the CPU hash power for Monero. Now, it would it would still take a significant amount of resources to try and attack the chain to 51%, um, you know, like fork the chain. Um, we should be able to see something like that coming already, you know, from a long way off. Right now, it's not profitable to try and attack the chain. It's just in terms of um, our the amount that it costs to mine versus um, like the market cap. And it's important, you have to look at, you know, the amount that it, it costs to attack the chain in terms of rented hash power. Um, you have to look at that in terms of how much value you're, act, you're actually protecting. So um, it would take a number of the world's supercomputers to attack. And uh, this was actually something I asked Howard Chu um, last week. And he said, the thing is that these supercomputers are spread across the world in multiple jurisdictions. And so it's not exactly, it's not, um, profitable to attack the chain, but maybe you have a government actor that wants to attack it just maliciously and they've got, you know, deep pockets. They would still have to go through the problem of booking these supercomputers because these things are always on like computational fluid dynamics and AI training, stuff like that. So we should be able to see an attack like that coming a long way off, but I still think it would be better if we got, if the hash rate was increased. Um, and then maybe the last thing I'll say, there, there's a lot of flaws. We could talk for a long time about this, but the, the next thing that we really want to see is to get peer to pool um, with more of the hash rate. Like we don't want to see two or three uh, mining pools dominating the hash rate. That's not ideal. It's it's not like a, it's not like a grave problem that you know could collapse the chain at any time. But um, it, it definitely isn't ideal. And there is the solution already released. It's just a matter of people that are mining um, actually adopting it. So sure. that's maybe a little quick and dirty on some of our weaknesses.
No, great, great job, and thank you for keeping um, ASIC Minus out of the game. Great job on that. I'm I'm mining on my on my other system as we speak, um, as a solo miner. But the other question is about multi-sigs. Is there any plan to have multi-sig signatures implemented inside of the GUI in the future? That would be great. Um, I think that that well, there definitely is in terms of um, multi-sig upgrades. So Seraphis being um, the new signature scheme. Uh, that's actually a very big important point um, was that we needed to be able to do multi-sig. It needed to be more robust um, and more functional. So I imagine that um, when Seraphis comes out, this is this is going to be something that's significantly easier to do because, yeah, multi-sig is, is one of the biggest weaknesses of Monero uh, in terms of sure. usability. Uh, sure. And if you also increase the ring signatures from 16 up to, say, 100 or more, uh, would that also not would that not slow down the validation rate? Because you have to sign each each one. You have to start uh, getting signatures from other peers, which are not actually involved in the actual transaction. And then would that not create a bit of a lag or a delay or no? I understand. That's it also good... depends, of course, on the keys using the key size, et cetera. That's a good question. Um, I'm not too sure. Like, I'm sure that entirely depends on the implementation. And I'm definitely not a developer or a cryptographer. Oh, I thought so. you were. I, mean, I specialize in no, security no. and cryptography. So that as soon as I talk about digital <laughs> signatures, I always like, ooh, this is fun. A hundred signatures. No, I'm, I'm, just also a good, uh, I'm just a good Go monkey ahead. parrot. That's all. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. But um, oh, you know, there's one more thing with um, you talked about validation. Maybe one more weakness is um, transaction validation time. Um, that's another thing that's kind of like that would hypothetically limit the block size is that if if the blockchain grows too big, you have to validate all the transactions. And with Serapis, that takes some amount of CPU time. And so, um, you know, that's also kind of another limitation there that hopefully would be alleviated as processors start to get more CPUs um, every year. Sure. And there's, sorry, sorry to ask so many questions. On on a, on the Ethereum network on on EVM, there's a coin called Zero X Monero, and I I don't know if you all have heard of it or not, but I was suspicious because it was not I've not seen any documentation that's attached to the official Monero uh, protocol uh, to, to the official Monero pro project. Um, are you all aware of other coins potentially using your name and trying to and glean people off of that? I cannot vouch for security, obviously. I don't know if you I don't know if anyone here was aware of that. Affinity scams. Uh, looks like it. It's called Zero X, like the bytecode Zero X Monero, um, and it's on. It's on. It's, as I said, it's on the Ethereum uh, blockchain, and they use the same you know, logo and everything. The, this is one where um, people in the past have tried to fork Monero and just utterly failed. Like so, for example, when for the short duration that ASICs existed for Monero. Um, we, we the, the devs, this is really before I got involved, but the devs essentially forked, they did a hard fork so that ASICs, those ASICs would now be useless. Um, and then the people with the ASICs, I, we kind of assume it must have been them and or the exchanges tried to fork into Monero Classic um, to have their own chain, you know, where they could have ASICs and have control of the supply. And those chains all died. So there does seem to be a significant amount of resiliency to malicious attempts at forking the chain or affinity scams, stuff like that. That. Well, thank you. And, um, uh, my pleasure. Just to backtrack really quick, someone was asking about paying bills, and Sal mentioned uh, he was trying this. He was searching his mind for that company that did it. Um, I was too. It, I think it's Bit Refill, <clears throat> or it is Bit Refill. I don't know if they still offer the service, but I was going through my chats. I saw it recently. So Bit Refill does have a. a service called bill pay i don't know if it supports monero it's in a more general cryptocurrency room that i saw it in but i did just see it so 
whoever asked that question, just look in the uh, bit refill and look up uh, their bit their bill pay feature. Good All stuff. Right, Good stuff. Oh, uh, can I make a quick announcement since we were talking about darknet markets? Markets. <laughs> Go for it, man. So uh, there is a there is a project um, to make a basically a decentralized peer to peer uh, uncensorable permission permissionless darknet market, basically a decentralized Amazon or eBay or even Silk Road called Narrow Pro excuse me Narrow Shop. Sorry, the uh, IPA is kicking in. It's called Narrow Shop. Uh, they are looking for C devs. So if you're a C++ dev, please reach out to me. Um, and they're basically trying to do a, uh, well, Federation is in consideration right now, but basically a permissionless darknet market. And the idea is dark, since Monero dominates darknet markets, um, the idea is the biggest risk is exit scams, honeypots, and uh, just them being shut down, raided, you know, so to speak. So if you're interested in setting up, helping set up a uh, decentralized, uncensorable, unstoppable e-commerce platform, um, please reach out to me. I'll, I'll hook you up with a matrix uh, room. And uh, we're currently kind of battling, looking in the ways to uh, follow Ross Ulbricht's ethos of selling products that do not violate, you know, you can fuck yourself up as much as you want, but you can't fuck other people up. So. Uh, we're, we're talking about arbitration, bonding, um, reputation rating systems. If you are a C++ developer interested in developing a uh, permissionless decentralized Amazon platform, uh, hit me up. Awesome, man. We'll have, we'll have to do a show on that as well. What do you, what do you think of uh, Particles Marketplace? That's the one I was thinking about, dude. Wasn't it like particle.io or something like that? Yeah, and they they have uh they they built the marketplace. Uh, we were in, interviewed the guy last week, but has anybody tried it out? I I, I thought didn't they didn't they like die out? Isn't that weren't they out of business for a while or something like that? No, they're still around. I might be thinking of something different. Okay. It's called Particles. Particle. That I. Uh, they just also recently uh, built this basic swaps exchange we were talking about, where it's a decent, uh, new decentralized exchange where you could, uh, where Monero is, you know, the, basically the main currency. What's everybody's uh, thoughts or knowledge on the new uh, Alpha Bay? I don't know. I don't know much about it. I mean, oh well, it was revitalized after. Uh, apparently, this is just what I've, I've been reading online: is that Alpha Bay is back up. That was the biggest darknet marketplace right, in 2017. Worried and that then, it's like a honeypot or something. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, so that's like some of the suspicions of it. But it still only uses Monero, and um, they've got like all the infrastructure based on Monero only for transactions and encourage that nobody keeps their Monero on the, um, on the actual site for very long for custodial purposes when transacting. But I mean, I'm not really, I'm more interested in the, the mechanics of it all. I'm not really interested in any kind of dark net or I mean, legal substances or anything, just more curious about how 
people can operate markets without, you know, without having to deal with law enforcement or regulation. My Fed handler says it's great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just kidding. I know nothing about it. Um, I don't know anything about it, but um, I would just say that if uh, if they're using the same keys as the last guy for their you know PGP messages, uh, run away. There you go. Anybody else want to uh, throw in a final comment? Oh wait, I have uh, King is requesting here. first time talking anyway what i wanted to say was um i think that somebody needs to create a marketplace on the clear web where you can use your cryptocurrencies to buy things that you can buy on amazon it doesn't have to be illegal and basically the dark web is always going to be used to buy and sell things that we really don't you know want to be able to buy on amazon so, I mean, y'all can talk about that. That's my opinion. I would love to buy all of those things on Amazon. <laughs> hey, so, That's a really good so, idea. Yeah, like how I even found out about all this is buying weed seeds like 12 years ago and I spent like 40 bucks and that was like 40 Bitcoins. And then, oh, shit, it turned into I could have had $2 million, you know, because I wanted to grow some weed, whatever. But um, nice talking to you guys. I'm going to go ahead and get off the mic. Dude, I, I've been there. Uh, I'm from that world where you buy into weed in 2012 and, like, in 2020, you want to, like, shoot yourself in the face. I, I live there, so I, I know your pain. There was, um, there was uh, some tool for Bitcoin Cash, and, of course, like, when I need to know it, my mind – draws a blank but there was some tour you allowed us to spend uh directly on on amazon you can actually get a, a cheaper price sometimes because Purse people, IO. yes purse that's exactly yeah. what it was i think it's what and you're like, confusing particle with yeah. yeah no you know i was thinking about it particle was is the exchange um joel valenzuela from dash was telling me about that bill pay thing and i was trying to think of the name of it but particle is something different it's not what i was thinking about Bit refill pays uh, bills supposedly. I, I don't know. Yeah, if this that wasn't the one I was thinking about. Though I didn't, I wasn't aware that they had that bill pay option. Um, another way you could pay bills with crypto, by the way, is um, at Walmart. But they have that like that Walmart Pay or whatever it is. So I guess like you could use Bit refill to get yourself a Walmart card and pay your bills that way. Because I guess like Walmart sort of works as like a bank for those who don't have a bank, kind of. <laughs> if you want to send me Monero, I'll pay your bills. <laughs> yeah, right. Walmart's the selling division of Ethereum. <laughs> Banking the unbanked. It's Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Whoever thought Sam Walton would save us? Hey, uh, one more thing that I that I I don't really know who it is. But there is like a there is like a way that you can use like there's like a map where you can like find people in your own city and town that will buy Monero from you. And I don't know if you guys know who that is. That's I don't a, know who local it is. Monero. Local Monero. Local Monero and local Bitcoin. 
See, there we go. See, and I, w- I will say in terms of like your point before, we're selling just selling regular product. I mean, we have gratuitous. We sell coffee, and we're slowly trying to add. Basically, I'm trying to add everyday products that I personally use. So, I'm adding eggs. I'm te- teaming up with a guy that's gonna uh, send out eggs for delivery. Uh, I want to try to add meat, you know, things like that. Uh, product products direct from from farms. Things that we all buy on an everyday basis. Why not start, you know, using Monero for those things? No, paying direct. No, if I was a dev, I would create a website, and the very first thing that I would sell is uh, digital uh, gift cards. You know, you don't even have. You just got to have somebody that's gonna where you're gonna buy the gift card, and then you sell the gift card. It's like you know, programming shit that I don't know. But that's that's something that seems yeah. to me so simple that can turn into like from selling books. Who is sell everybody knows who is selling books, right? Jeff Bezos. All that motherfucker did was sell books and now boom, look for where he's at. Somebody can start out by selling gift cards on the clear web, not giving a fuck. You know, somewhere in New Zealand set set this shit up and that's they will it. blow up. This, and this, I, mean, this, thing, I don't think that's this. gonna happen. I mean, gift cards. There's, there's, there's coin cards. Um, you could buy, use Monero to buy gift cards anonymously. Uh, yeah, we bought a Visa card. You know, like has, the guy has gift cards built into it where you could buy gift cards anonymously. Yeah, so I think you're thinking of man is uh, Cake Wallet has Doug mentioned it earlier. If you're at Lowe's or K, uh, Cold Stone, there's like 150,000 merchants in the U.S. If if you get charged seventeen bucks for dinner or you know buying a little part to fix your faucet, you're standing in line. You just type in the amount, and then Lowe's scans your phone, or Coldstone Creamery, or Chili's, or whatever scans your phone, and the t- gift card is for the exact amount for the bill, and it just instantly converts Monero into a gift card on the spot, just basically as fast as Apple Pay. And I think you even get like two percent back or one or two percent back uh yeah. for, for whatever reason but uh cake wallet is there an expectation that if something like what he described was actually able to start getting off the ground there there would be serious institutional pushback uh obviously called regulation or, or whatever you'd like and what does that look like Yeah, I mean, I think we're starting to see it now. We just had Elizabeth Warren announce that she's trying to pass a bill that would basically uh, ban privacy coins effectively. So, yeah, there's, there's going to be pushback. but uh, Bullish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, why... uh, you know, Monero is being built to, to resist any of these regulations. That's why we, we need somebody that's going to hide their identity. We need somebody that's identity and start this corporation. I mean, because it's a corporation for the people. We need a Kim.com to be like, hey, fuck the U.S. government and your regulation. You know, I'm going to start making it to where people can, you know, live in a decentralized world. Exactly. Well, well I mean, I mean, more specifically, you know, when there's pushback, what what is the expected form that pushback takes? I'm not sure what Elizabeth Warren is talking about. I'm sure that the entire FTX debacle is a great excuse to, you know, throw the word regulation around and to take advantage of people who lost money where they deserve to have lost it. But I'm wondering, like, with the boots on the ground enforcement, 
what is that what is that expected to look like are they saying you know let me check your phone let me check your computer and if i see you've downloaded these things then you know you're going to be punishable or or is it something where they've they're going to try to shut down networks uh initially they're just trying to increase the kyc aml so the know your customer anti-money anti-money laundering regulations so basically forcing exchanges to more strictly uh, collect people's identity and then to get the identity of people that uh, you know when when they're sending their crypto off the exchange uh, and then to try to implement it into uh, uh, wallets so something like even like a cake wallet right trying to mandate that they would have to have the identities of their of their users that's the also, like, that they're trying to so, uh, so really yeah so to that end what you're arguing then is any of the organizations that you use anything that is operating in the clear web is a susceptible weak point because they would they could potentially cave to pressure for from that avenue kyc and once they've made a business model off of their service they provide they're incentivized to you know turn over their information to start requiring kyc and you're left in the lurch because you've become dependent on a fundamentally decentralized system Compliance coins going to compliance. Uh, can I can I address this whole fear about um, regulatory agencies and how much power the federal government actually has? Yeah, go for it, man. So back when FDR had his price controls and all his bullshit, as soon as they lifted uh, the price controls on the beef industry, beef overnight the price dropped and people had. Uh, the price drop basically because the slaughterhouses weren't complying. They were just selling it out the back door. So they had these price controls, put a price cap on them. The slaughterhouses were selling it. The, far the farmers were, the ranchers were f selling it for whatever the mandated price was, but there was this gigantic black gray market for beef. So as soon as that price control went away overnight, all of a sudden the slaughterhouses were full of beef and all the, you know, all the ranchers were selling all these heads of cattle that were uh, supposedly not on the books so the the wf is trying to outlaw beef and saving money and all this other shit it's not just heroin and fentanyl and cp and all that shit just living your life and being you know and, and having some sort of fulfillment is is becoming more and more restricted and illegal so if you want to think about the federal government and how powerful they actually are they're fucking terrifying to the individual but if you think about it they absolutely are impotent and powerless against market forces and we've got at least in this country federalism so think about uh weed dispensaries and marijuana that's a uh, what is it schedule one drug it's federally legal half the states have nullified the federal government and the dea only has 5,000 agents the dirty little secret is the federal government needs local cooperation to enforce their communist rule so if the local populations can't play whack-a-mole fast enough with dispensaries well guess what happens the dispensaries open up they accept cash only the, the banks can try to fuck with them as much as they want but the fact is half the states have told the feds to go fuck themselves so yeah they've they've been messing with the banks and cash and accounts and stuff and 
making it so that they're uh, recreational versus medical and you have to jump through all these hoops and the feds can close down your bank account, whatever. But just think about how fast they're trying to ratchet things up. If they're trying to make beef illegal, if they're trying to make saving money illegal, and they're trying to reset the global economy because they backed us into this corner by fucking us with 100 years of Federal Reserve notes, well, they're in a little... They're in a little bit of a time crunch. They're they're moving extremely aggressively. We can all see it. The medical system is fuck insurance. We're starting to get insulin out of the black market. We're starting to import generic drugs from India because in this country they cost a shitload of money because the, the all the drugs are gamed and it's not a free market. Well, first of all, patents aren't a free market anyway. So then there's a third world emerging economies. There's all these cash accepting businesses. They've got five thousand DEA agents. They couldn't keep weed illegal. They look scary to the individual. They're terrifying, but they are fucked. I think they're absolutely fucking fucked. It's nice to say that, but there's a real cost that is paid by individuals who are unfortunate enough to be the ones that are being made an example of when they do try enforcement. And, it, and it's not a far-fetched fear for an individual or any group of individuals when Brother. we can have a constitution that's explicit in what is and is not permitted and watch the federal government and the Supreme really? Court, the executive, go ahead. Fuck the Supreme Court. Brother, we're talking about recreational drugs. Recreational drugs. Drug users and, and people who are just like, fuck it, I'm going to start a business on the corner shop here and sell weed. We're talking about recreational drugs and all these people. The marketplace for recreational drugs told the feds to go fuck themselves, and they succeeded. Half the states are now nullifying state, excuse me, federal law. The feds are powerless. They're big and scary. That's that's how government power works. It's all mind game. That's why they, they, that's why they raise you up from a tiny little tax kitten from four years old to 18 years old, brainwashing you for 15,000 hours. They're powerless. It's all fucking mind games One of and it doesn't matter I, it's, it's good enough it's it's good to say that and to to try to make a point that that their power is very small compared to the power of individuals and groups and that they absolutely require our compliance for power at some level that requires compliance but to act like they're completely toothless is just that's just foolishness it's i'm not saying they're toothless i'm saying we don't even have to consciously resist them. Every time, well, the more they squeeze their fists, the more the grains of sands will fall through their fingers because we don't have to consciously resist them. The more they squeeze, the more demand there will be for black market medium of exchange. In prison, they use cigarettes and the warden can't shut it down. He has to negotiate with the gangs. In Russia, they use vodka in the forest for black markets to sell blue, blue jeans and fucking beets. And, now, hold and, on, hold on. That's that's not necessarily correct. He's talking about the warden not being able to shut it down. The warden can shut it down. He chooses not to shut it down. So he's got an incentive one way or the other, but it isn't because he can't. Because he can. And if you're in prison and you think, hey, the warden can't shut this down, you're wrong. You're in a cage. You absolutely can't have that shit shut down. It is known that it's taking place and is allowed to take place. There are entities that are fully aware that it's taking place. That's part of the, that's part of the game theory, theory, man. So if you can corrupt the, the officials, that's how you channel things in, just like ag agorism. If you can, like, basically, okay, so in the Soviet Union, they use vodka as currency because, as the saying go, went in Soviet Russia, we... we no, I think you're fundamentally understand misunderstanding this because ultimately the problem is that if you have standing justifications for a group with a monopoly on violence, they will selectively enforce it because the selective enforcement grants them more power. It isn't, the selective enforcement does not indicate that you have somehow beat them. 
It just means that they're they're enjoying the benefit of selectively enforcing law, which is the most power of all. If you have a law, and at the point that it becomes a law, it becomes explicitly law at the state level or at the federal level, at any level, and it is not allowed to be selectively enforced, it is mandated that every single dollar that can be collected in taxes goes to upholding every single law, you're going to have fewer laws. Not only that, the people are going to refuse to accept most of the laws that are made. The power lies in selective enforcement and saying, well, we do have a law that says you're not allowed to go this fast, and we only selectively enforce it. And you can make whatever arguments you want about they don't have the manpower. They, they're too small. They could they never don't. do it. They could do it. They choose not to do it. They have reached the point where they're happy with what they're getting from it, and if they need to ramp it up, they'll ramp it up sometime. Do you, do, you know do you know how incompetent the DEA do you know how incompetent the DEA would look if they were running around trying to play whack-a-mole with dispensaries in 2022? And yeah, that's what I'm saying. I agree with you. I get. It's I agree with you too. Enforcement, though. <laughs> I get it. So I'm. I we can't beat them. I, I didn't say we can beat them. That's utopian thinking. I'm not a utopian. The the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. There's always going to be. Uh, some scumbag gangs gang mafia that's trying to assert their total dominance over territory. The point is we don't hand them over the keys uh, in the form of um, uh, force multipliers, like a, like a public public ledger surveillance shit coin, like Bitcoin. We don't make their jobs easier. We don't hand those tools over to them. And we don't even have to consciously choose that. P the, there are people I can walk around to have had dozen businesses that are still open right now and pay them cash and half of them only accept cash. There is a need for this. And the more they clamp down, they're, they're, they're fucked. They did, they didn't anticipate. They thought they were going to put chips in our fingers. And then they realized, I, Oh, I agree, with, I agree with everything you're saying. I agree with everything you're saying up until you get to this point where you want to start concluding that they're fucked. And like you just said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. It, you're encouraging people not to be vigilant. I don't think they're by any means fucked. And I think you're wrong if you expect that because they've come off a timeline or because you think you understand what their timeline is, they've somehow f failed. They're never going to stop. Like you said, right. there's always going to be an organized gang. And, uh, you know, the, so so I don't think it's it's reasonable to be broadcasting. Hey, they're fucked. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. You don't know that the final battle hasn't been fought. And I understand your attitude is the final battle will never be fought because you're right. And as far as people exist and human nature exists, there are going to be people and they're going to establish hierarchies. And eventually they're going to justify invading other people's liberties. They're going to, right, they're going to violate the non-aggression principle. Fine. That's a, there's no reason to expect that whatever invisible hands guide our economy, guide our law, pull strings, engage us in endless war, are somehow beaten because they somehow misread us. Because we somehow, I mean, this, that's so, that's utopian. I mean, the, question, the original question was, was how, is this, how is the government going to crack down on, on Monero or, or whatever the, the crypto question was, right? I mean, just to clarify, that was the original question, am I correct? Yeah, I want to understand, like, when you when you look at this, uh, you know, so they've made it, though. like, we know, we know how that's going to work, because they did it with gold. And it wasn't like the case where it was like, uh, you know, if you deal in gold, you're in trouble, or if you offer gold, for it was if you get caught with gold, you, you know, all right, we're gonna, we'll take your word for it, you don't you don't own any. But if you get caught with it, then you're fucked, and then you're in trouble. And it would be the same shit with 
any other commodity that they decided to make illegal. Um, so, so you so you foresee potentially that they would go so far as to issue something like a uh, an outright ban on. I'd be surprised the if they didn't eventually. Eventually, it'll get so desperate. The the eventually they will be so outcompeted that they will have no choice. They're they're. Did I lose yet? The end for them. Yeah, he cut off for me too. Yeah, you guys there? There yeah, you are. So yeah, go ahead. Me. I'm, I'm going to get running after this, but um, my... yeah, we're 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 going to close this out. We'll let you uh, you know, finish your last thoughts, Sal, and close it out, and we'll end it there. He... Tribunal. Th thanks for jumping in, man. Lots of I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Would like to talk to you more. Uh, I want to see. You know, learn learn more from what what how you see things are gonna end up. Yeah, likewise, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you guys. Final point, though, that's that's how we got here. That's how we got to this conversation was by them making the, the by them making a, a gold illegal. That's how we got to the cryptocurrency world. That's how we got to this discussion. So the market will always innovate. And the market will always find a way around their bullshit laws. So if they make everything Correct. illegal, guess what? We're gonna find a way out of that shit too. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, if they're fighting a losing battle, it's not that it's going to be easy or it's not going to be it's going to be quick or it's going to be bloodless. But at the end of the day, I think we do win. Maybe that is overly optimistic. Maybe that is too much of a white pill. But I really do believe at the end of the day. And if, and if, if anybody out there is more interested in this, I really encourage you to check out the New Libertarian Manifesto by Sam Konkin. Or check out my book, Anti-Politics, too. It's, it's, it's basically the same shit. And a real quick point on how they confiscated the gold. They, they actually didn't confiscate all the gold. They, they used choke points at banks. They seized gold that was in custody, basically third-party custody, not your keys, not your coin. And then people who had gold, there were certain coins that before a certain time period, I forget the details, you were fine after a certain time period, the, the government would confiscate it. Basically, people just like sat on their gold. And if it was in the bank, they confiscated it. That's my point is that they have to have these choke points. They don't have the manpower. They simply cannot have the manpower, especially when you're attacking the very root of the problem, which is their 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 financing scheme to finance everything with inflation. We used to have sound money. Now we don't. They can finance themselves endlessly. Well, now now they now we have a back door, and they're they're fucked. They can't they can't finance and finance themselves endlessly because we have a non-inflationary monetary commodity. Yeah, I don't, mean, I don't think it's utopian to believe that we're going to win because truth and justice are going to win. They're always going to win. Um, you can see my name is Tribunal. I'm really concerned with when we win, let's make sure that we keep track of who our opponents are so Amen. we can ensure that they're, they're held accountable. <laughs> That's I got a list for you. Camp I was talking about earlier with Doug. Guys, this was uh this was an epic combo. I gotta go. I gotta go eat. This is amazing. Sal, thanks thanks for uh hanging in there with us this entire time. Greatly. Thank you guys. It. Thanks for having me. And dude, man, we get Eddie, can we seriously get you down to uh, Mexico City? What do you what do you dude, think? Dude, I would love to. Shoot me some details and I, yeah. I'll be there, man. I am always down for shit like that. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Awesome. Yeah, anybody that's just listening in, MoneroTopia.com. We're doing a Monero conference down there. It's going to be Monero and much more. Um, a lot of a lot of focus on privacy tech. All right, guys. Have a good one. We're out. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for participating. Body, uh, thank you so much, man. Uh, amazing as always. Um, ciao, guys. Take care, guys. Thank you. Hi, Monero Land. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or CakeWallet send address field to send us a tip. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to being back next week.